get it going. It's time to get up. So curious to see whether or not Bryson's mad scientist approach will work here. It is the, the, by far the most riveting story to me. So, uh, yeah, I can't wait to see what he's capable of. These guys are here to break it all down. I'm trying to get paid, man. I'm not I'm not shy about that. I don't have to, to tell people that I value winning. Like, just look at my story. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. The Bears are who we thought they were. We let them off the hook. This is the starting lineup with James Zabolski and Perry Solkowski. Hey, what's happening, everybody? It is Thursday, November the 12th. James Sabolski here, Perry Solkowski there, Greg Fallick on the other side of the glass. We are the starting lineup here on your home of Vancouver hockey, home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. You know, Perry, I got to say, I would totally subscribe to more days off in the middle of the week like we just experienced yesterday. And obviously for a good cause yesterday, but man, like, you know, work two days, take a day off, work two days, the weekend, I think I would be way happier and healthier. Oh, I think most would. I did find that probably on three or four different occasions yesterday, I was kind of, uh, all right, so tomorrow's Monday. Oh, no, 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 it's not even Monday. That's Friday. No, it's not Friday. I, I was lost a little bit uh, during the day as to where we are. It seems like it's been just such a strange week. How a two-day week of work seemed long it was, and now we get a break. But, yeah. It was good. You know, a little chilly out. The, the cause is always tremendous um, uh, because I, I think and I, and I do say I found this year just because of the situation. Didn't see as many poppies as you normally do. But, no. um, you know, we'll we'll get into something that Arnold Schwarzenegger said that uh, I know I, I had a, a friends who moved from the States about 10 or 12 years ago. And just that boy, we. We do understand what November 11th is about. We do remember and we, we don't forget about those who have paved the way uh, for the country that we live in. But yeah, Wednesday off, nice and get back to a Thursday. And for the first time ever, watching golf whenever the weather cooperates in November from Augusta. Look forward to that this weekend. Yes, we will keep you uh, updated as to what's uh, what's playing out uh at Augusta here as the 2020 edition of the Masters tees off and our master coverage uh, brought to you by Maui Gym Sunglasses. The view is better up here. And uh, how do we start the opening round of uh, the 2020 edition of the quest for the green jacket? Well, it starts with a weather delay. It basically got underway for, oh, I don't know, maybe about 15 minutes. And just like that pair, the most 2020 thing to happen at Augusta a weather delay this morning. They will, uh, you, you know, they're not handing out a green jacket uh, this year on Sunday. <laughs> they want. They've already. They've already said that there will be no green ceremony on the green on the 18th green. They'll go to the Butler cabin and that'll be it. Social distancing is essentially all we we'll get. But no, of, of course, it's 2020. The Masters will be handed out uh, next Tuesday or Wednesday. And the election will be over just before Christmas. It'll like it's not going to be normal. But right now, rain is is coming down. Adam Hadwin, of course, of uh, Abbotsford, supposed to be on the course, but rain has stopped everything. So just a few golfers got out there, uh, and we'll see what it's like. How so is everyone it? excited to go? Hey, watch the Masters. Wait and see. You may not get any golf today. 
Well, you know, you talk about the, the ceremony presentation, all that social distancing, and then I watch, like, the ceremonial tee-off, and there's Gary Player and, and Jack Nicholas, and, you know, I mean, the fair, like, the fairway is lined with people, and it's not like anybody was spread out there. There were still a lot of officials that were <laughs> all mm-hmm. tightly packed together. So, I don't know. Uh, you know, one thing is said and another thing is executed, right? It's... Well, we'll wait and see. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, but hopefully you it know, plays. Hopefully it plays. Uh, man, I, I'm ready for this. I'm ready for this. Well, I, I think it's, uh, you know, to me it's the best golf tournament, uh, but I don't know if I'll get into it at this time of year. But, yeah, it's fun to see the Masters. It's You know, we've never had this connection of two local guys there. Great fo- photo, which I think we will see. You know, James, you and I, we emcee a lot of golf tournaments and different events. The photo that was taken, um, I think it was that A-man corner of, of Hadwin and Nick Taylor uh, that Adam had posted Tuesday. Just a couple of guys from Ledgeview uh, hanging out at Augusta. And the comments were, you know, and there's a lot of golf fans. Just, wow, you know, there it is. Can you imagine guys who just tee it up as kids and you dream just like you dream of a Game 7 and winning a Stanley Cup. They love their golf and here they are. It just seemed ridiculous at one point for Canadians to think they could get to that level from the same country, from the same golf course, and there they are uh, at the Masters. So, hey, if there's anybody there who's waiting to get going, you know, God, a rain delay, I hate playing in the rain. You would think a couple guys from the West Coast quite comfortable if the rain drizzles, drizzles down on them today or for the next four days at Augusta. <laughs> in, in, in theory, somebody here from these parts, from the Fraser Valley or Metro Vancouver should, in theory, be able to handle a little bit of rain. Uh, so we'll keep you ta- posted on that as uh, the opening round currently in a weather delay. Here's what else we got coming up over the next three hours. Todd Furman from the Bet the Board podcast will look ahead to uh, this weekend's action in the National Football League. The Thursday nighter, Titans and Colts getting set to collide later on. So we'll talk to Todd in about 10 minutes from now. Joe Bocop uh, joins us uh, today because yesterday was a holiday. So Eddie will drop by just after Seven o'clock. Uh, your Canucks commute at eight, featuring Ian McIntyre from Sportsnet.ca, who wrote, uh, who caught up with uh, the head coach of the Vancouver Canucks, Travis Green, uh, and they did that earlier this week and and talked to Travis about where the team's at right now and his first public comments since uh, his contract has kind of come into question here over the last. Um, few weeks and we'll get into that much more coming up at the bottom of the hour here this morning and Travis Green's future here with the Canucks but uh, today's a big day for the National Hockey League here this morning pair as uh, the Board of Governors set to meet later today and I don't think we're going to get a sense of exactly what the plan is for the National Hockey League but it I think they're getting closer because they have to get closer like the NBA tips off in 40 days from today you know, and, and in those 40 days, man, like it's going to come like a tidal wave. You've got the draft in a few days from now. You've got free agency that's going to start. You're going to have the trade window that's going to get up and running. they got to get training camps up and running. And then they got to be ready to go December 22nd. So 40 days from today, the NBA tips off December 22nd. Yeah, and if you go back to when we were waiting to see if these seasons would end, uh, it, it's almost like, you know, okay, NBA's in one office and across the hall there's Gary Bettman going, what are you doing, Adam Silver? We're going to push you through. Okay, well, then we're going to start too. They were pretty much in lockstep, 
you know, back in the spring as to when they were going to go forward. Gary Bettman kind of pushed it forward with the press conference, if you can remember, saying, here's what we're doing. The NBA had their bubble. Not surprised at all within the last 10 days how players had agreed, here's what the NBA schedule will look like. Here's what we're going to do, and then we'll have time and we'll get the Olympics. The Olympic is, there's a finish line this time. You know, there was nothing as to we have to get the season done and we have to play and get it going again by June. No, no, no. You had July. You had August. You weren't going to force the issue. Now there is a finish line, and that finish line comes in the form of the Olympics in Japan, in which they're meeting this week. And on the table, the IOC president said the cancellation is not on the table. So with all the TV money the NBC, NBC has, you're looking at you know the third week of July. You have to be done if you're the NHL. So I'm not surprised. Uh, we'll hear from Elliot in a second. But, yeah, there's – Decisions are going to have to be made. Um, we'll also hear from Jay Beagle in, uh, um, in our show as well. I, I did an event on Tuesday where Jay was part of it, Nate was part of it, Brandon Sutter was part of it. And those guys all to a man just said it's, it's different than it was back when we left and it's April and it's May and we're wondering. We, we kind of know we're coming back and we're coming back fairly soon. So it's just a matter of where and when, when, James. And like you said, NBA, busy itinerary, so they know they're back in December. I could see the NHL not being too far behind. Well, and, and look, there's the, the issues uh, that kind of linger. Man, like there's a lot. I mean, there's talking about maybe some hybrid hubs and bubbles. I, I don't really see that playing out. I think they're going to want to do something like the NBA. Like if the NBA is going to just go business as usual, like we saw with the Major League Baseball. And, and Major League Baseball, hey, as many stoppages as there were, as many te positive tests as there were, you know, the NH uh, Major League Baseball pulled it off. Here's what Sportsnet hockey insider Elliot Friedman had to say on this radio station uh, the other night uh, with respect as to where things sit with the National Hockey League and what the landscape looks like going into the Board of Governors meeting today. Right now, their target is January 1st. I don't know if that's possible, but I know that that's still uh, what they're talking about. Um, some Now, I've asked people for how many games that means, Sat. I've had people tell me as low as 56. People tell me as high as 72. Now, obviously, if we have to move back, though, that could decrease. But that's what I'm hearing as we talk on Tuesday, November the 10th. Um, I've heard that the last possible day for the Stanley Cup final is July 15th. That we're not going past that. And uh, I've heard that there have been some pushback by teams not to have hubs, but to play in their own buildings, whether they have fans or not. So I think there's a lot of things still up in the air. And there's, there's one major issue that, as far as I can tell, has not been sorted out yet. And that is um, the, uh, the pay. And the players believe that this is settled. I'm not sure the owners feel the same way. Um, I think there's going to have to be some work on that. Um, but that, to me, is the biggest outstanding issue, actually. That's a, that's a hell of an issue that's going to be lingering because, as we've certainly learned, you know who likes getting paid, Pear? Everybody likes getting paid! And so I'm sure the National Hockey League players will say, no, 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 wait a second here. We're already having 30% of our salary loft off here for this upcoming season. Now you want to talk about prorating because there's only 70 games that we're playing or 60 games or possibly 56 as little as, as what Elliot was saying. Oh, man. 
like that probably won't get contentious, right? We saw what happened with Major League Baseball back in the spring and into that lingered into the summer when they talked about prorated salaries. It was an ugly look for Major League Baseball, right? Mm. Because everybody else was moving forward. He, I'd be curious to find out the details of it, though, James. I mean, do you think it's as simple as, hey, we're playing the year, it's 60 games, and to play the season, it says my contract gets $3 million. That's your decision to play 60 games, so I'm going to be paid as though I'm playing 82, because I think that's a tough battle. Uh, you know, I, I, whether I'm pro owner or not, I'm going, well, okay, you're playing 62 games. You're going to be paid for 62 games because that's all we can fit in because of the pandemic. We're worried about your safety. Now, are the owners coming back? Hey, you're paying 62 games that we can't pay you that salary. But, you know, to me with escrow, it's, hey, we'll pay you that and you're going to be given more money back because we got no fans in the stands. Be curious to see. I think of all things in the last... Uh, run at this from four major league sports. I thought hockey was great. Hey, they got a collective bargaining agreement settled during this pandemic. So we'll see how ugly this gets. They meet today. But uh, yeah, I, I think you might have some voices raised. But in the end, um, I think they'll settle it. It just seems like the PA and the league have always been able to get it done. And uh, yeah, there'll be some heated discussions, I'm sure. Well, here's the other interesting thing that I, I thought that Friedman alluded to, and it was something that Gary Bettman had mentioned at a uh, at a sports conference uh, uh, earlier this week, but one of the hesitations for you know potential hubs again is naming rights for buildings. You know, you think of Rogers Arena here in Vancouver, and apparently there's some built-in wording uh, to some of these potential naming right contracts that. You got to have so a certain amount of events over the course of the year, and guess what? There haven't been a lot of a lot of venues so far this year, pair. So this is one of those ones that, um, you know, they'd be looking at in the possible, you know, jeopardizing some of these naming rights facilities. And let's face it, like those are million dollar deals. So that's something that I think NHL arenas uh, and and owners want to be very mindful of because. That's a significant chunk of ch- uh, change. Uh, some of the things they're talking about, it, it, it may play out something like this. Like the Canucks could be spending 20, 24 days a month in one of those hub cities, be home for a week uh, and, and get, you know, 10 to 12 days away. And then off they would go and play a, a bunch of games, um, you know, in, a, in what would be a shortened season, eight games, maybe in a 12 day period. Then you get back, rest for a couple of weeks, and then you go again. So, boy, it's going to look different again. I would think they'll have a taxi squad. I would think you're going to have some players who are healthy but tired and kind of getting load management. Again, it'll be hockey, but I think from a coaching perspective and from a how you use your, your players, uh, I don't know if I want to use the word fascinating, but it'll be a little – it'll be very different and interesting to see – who can handle the setup they have in front of them? Hey, they excelled at what they had to be put put forth in July and August. Uh, they'll be able to handle this uh, as well. But expect that. Hey, Canucks got the week off. They got the next 10 days off. Okay, here they go. We're going to have Canucks hockey almost every second night, every night, and see how they do, man. And you get on a roll, James, when you're playing that much hockey. Boy, it, it could be a difference. Ah, This time when we get in the hub city, we've got to be at least 700 winning percentage. Just we're not going to make it into the postseason. Be a lot of fun storylines that'll be going on. 
Yeah, and, and I mean, I think the condensed schedule, I mean, you'll see even more hockey than normal here in the winter months. And, and I think they're also very mindful of, hey, look, did the summer experiment work? Look, I, I think if you look at the execution of the bu- the bubbles and the hub cities in Edmonton and, and Toronto, yeah, it was a hit. They pulled it off and there were no positive tests. And, and that was certainly encouraging. But, you know, was there an appetite for people with hockey in the summer? I mean, I think oftentimes we have lamented, uh, and I know I certainly have a uh, pair, that... You know, man, I don't want I don't want to I don't want hockey much beyond, you know, Victoria Day weekend. And, you know, you start getting into late May and if your team's out of it, like a lot of people get checked out of hockey by the time the weather's really nice. And so the NHL very mindful. They don't want to be playing any games beyond July 15th. So we'll continue to wait on that. We'll talk to Joe Cop a little more about this coming up uh, in about 45 minutes from now. But uh, time to welcome in from the Bet the Board podcast, Mr. Todd Furman, uh, who joins us each and every Thursday and also a key member of uh, Sports Interactions Inside the Lines every Sunday morning here on Sportsnet 650. Mr. Furman, you've got finally uh, something beyond just football to kind of break some odds down here this morning if we ever get out of this rain delay. Yeah, it'll be interesting if we're able to get the first round in at Augusta. Naturally, Lightning, only place in the United States right now in Augusta. It's just kind of 2020 in a microcosm, but uh, (laughs) we will ultimately see if the big boys can get through the first 18. I'm not optimistic about it, and I'm actually quite surprised they went out there, played for about 50 minutes, and shut things down, figured they would have put everybody on hiatus. Can you compare uh, the amount of action on the Masters in the middle of November with only football and college football going on to what it would be like if they normally were going in April, Todd? You know, it's interesting, Perry, because we're going to get a chance to talk to uh, the director of sportsbook operations for FanDuel on today's episode of the Bet the Board podcast, and he's going to share some of those numbers with us. But uh, indications around Las Vegas where the numbers were down substantially than what they would be able to garner given its normal calendar placement in April. When you come out of the wake of the NCAA tournament and know that the Masters moves to the front and center stage uh, on the sporting calendar, anything built in and around football season unfortunately takes a back seat. As the NFL is that 800-pound gorilla in the room, college football picks up a little bit of the slack and then everything else shortly therein falls around that to pick up some of the wagering scraps, so to speak. Well, and, and you know, that's that's a fascinating thought. Like, how does the Masters play out? And, Perry, you kind of, you're a golf fan, and you kind of pe- mentioned the fact that, hey, will you still be into it in, in November? I think w- mm-hmm. I welcome the Masters to tee off because outside of football right now, there's not much. But you get to Sunday. If you're chasing that green jacket in the final round and you've got a full slate of NFL football, Todd, where does America's priorities lie? I would probably guess still on the gridiron, wouldn't it? Well, it's interesting because CBS, of course, being the network partner here stateside, doesn't have any NFL games going head-to-head with it. So you have a real abbreviated slate early on in Sunday morning, and we look at the calendar out here on the West Coast. The 10 a.m. kickoffs include barn burners like the Bengals and Steelers, Washington football team and the Lions, Texans, Browns, Jaguars, Packers, Eagles, Giants, and Bucks, Panthers. You don't have a single matchup early on Sunday that pits two winning teams against against one another, and we have one of the larger Sunday afternoon slates that we're going to see. So the networks at least tried to do everything they could to create that viewing opportunity, and I have to imagine if we see some of the biggest names in golf in that final group, I think we'll be pleasantly surprised with the ratings that it's ultimately going to achieve. Tiger Woods getting a lot of money thrown on him still just because he's Tiger Woods? 
You know, not nearly as much, and this will be the lowest odds we see him enter the Masters with uh, over the last 25 years uh, when you consider Tiger's current form floating anywhere from 35 on the low end upwards of 45. I did see some books say that about 3 to 4% of their overall betting handle coming in on Tiger. Naturally, it'll create some liability, uh, but he's been one of the golfers that's seen a lot of professional money against him in build-up, whether it's head-to-head matchups, the yes-no to make the cut, to finish inside the top 20. We'll see if Tiger can go out there, defy the odds, uh, and keep us all glued to our sets on Sunday like he did last year. He's still got that rub, doesn't he, Todd? Oh, there's no doubt. Uh, when you look at golf and the Bryson DeChambeau's, the Dustin Johnson's, the Rory's, nobody moves the needle like Tiger Woods being in contention. Uh, and whether we call it a comeback story or we know about his pedigree and prestige, even in the twilight uh, of his career, he is still the quintessential guy that gets the casual golf fan to the TV set if he has a chance to make some noise. And I think everybody would love to be able to see him repeat what we saw last April. Uh, I'm just not quite sure that's possible. Uh, As a slave to the numbers, there's nothing to suggest that he can wave a magic wand and suddenly put together his best 72 holes, even for a golf course that he's brought to to its knees in his previous five green jackets. Todd, I got no feeling for tonight. I think I'm leading for the over on Derek Derek Henry's 80 yards. Uh, What say you with Indianapolis and Tennessee? going to be real interesting to see what we get out of Derrick Henry because over the last two games when they've stepped up in class, he's really struggled for those Derrick Henry-like performances. Uh, And last week against Sobolski's Bears, Henry really struggled to get things going. And when you look at the overall numbers, he didn't break a single carry in that game. And the 68 yards were a byproduct of his 21 touches. So far this season, Derrick Henry has produced less than four yards per carry in five of eight games this season, and it won't be lost on the Colts in the final meeting between these two teams. He ran for a buck 49. So let's see if Henry gets his typical 20 to 25 carries. If he's able to average four yards a pop, he'll go over that number. I just haven't seen that burst in him getting to the second level where the Colts linebacking core has been outstanding, one of the top five teams in terms of cleaning up running back production when you get through the defensive line. Todd Furman from the Bet the Board podcast here on Sportsnet 650, uh, a game I'm fascinated uh, to kind of see uh, play out. Um, First off, the kids, uh, Herbert and Tua, going head-to-head between the the two young quarterbacks. But how about Buffalo? They beat the Seahawks last week. Now they've got another NFC West rival here, and they've taken care care of business against the NFC West so far this season when I'm talking about the Buffalo Bills. How do you see this playing out between the Cardinals coming off a loss and a big win for the Bills? Real interesting game for Buffalo, knowing that they'd love to continue some of that momentum as they head into their bye week. Uh, And when you look at this Buffalo team, they've been outstanding on the road. Now, I know it's a small sample size, but the last six games that they've left the western New York area, they've gone 4-0-2 against the spread. And when you look at the Bills offensively, Josh Allen, tremendous, 400-plus yards passing, got everybody involved. And you can see how much more dynamic this Bills passing attack is when you have a speedster like John Brown that opposing defenses have to respect. It opens things up for Stephon Diggs underneath. And even without the aid of a running game, I mean, that Bills offense was impossible to slow down in space. Now enter the Arizona Cardinals, who were hard luck losers last week. A little bit surprised how conservative Cliff Kingsbury was playing for a 49-yard field goal that would have just tied the game up with less than two minutes to go. 
Kyler Murray absolutely destroying it, so I hopefully both of you guys own him for fantasy football purposes. <laughs> when you look at what he's able to do rushing the football, first 100-yard game of the season, averaging more than seven yards a pop. But the matchup to watch here will be how will Arizona's offense perform if Tredavious White can take DeAndre Hopkins out of the game, much like we saw White do in the playoff game between the Texans and Bills last year. I think there are enough other weapons on Arizona's team that allow the Cardinals to be all right. But for me, I think this total is a shade low. So if I was betting this game, I'm going over the number more so than making a case for either side. Well, tough to bet under when you deal with Seattle football games. What do you see with the Seahawks as far as a bounce back against the Rams? You know, such conflicting trends uh, in this particular spot because the Rams have really gotten the best of the Seahawks. Four and one in the last five meetings between these two teams. Uh, the Rams have scored at least 28 points against the Seahawks uh, in those meetings, and those were against better Seahawks defenses than we've seen so far this season. But Seattle, one of the teams that shows more bounce-back potential than any in the league when you consider the fact that the Seahawks have been outstanding off a loss and they're 12-4 and four against the number the last 16 times that they've enlisted in the underdog role. But we're talking about historically bad defense, and I think it's on Pete Carroll and company to figure out ways to scheme to slow down the Rams and what they want to do on the offensive side. Seattle needs to get their running backs healthy, and I'm not quite sure it's going to happen here. Not because Russ isn't capable of carrying the team, but being able to establish a reliable ground game allows that defense to rest instead of turning everything into a track meet. At 1-1.5, I lean slightly towards the Rams, but I think this is one of the more fascinating games of the day because we're going to finally realize is Seattle truly a contender uh, or are they merely a pretender because that defense will hold them back. Nice to catch up with you, sir. Uh, stay safe out there. Hopefully uh, lightning lifts uh, because, you know, we, we talk about some of the bunkers and, and, and some of the greens and the difficulties there at Augusta, but it's, uh, you know, no one's beating lightning, right? No, Mother Nature remains undefeated in her quest to wreak havoc on the sports calendar. One thing I will say, guys, a couple of golfers to keep tabs on, Shane Lowry and Matthew Fitzpatrick caught an awful lot of attention in the matchup markets, and I think a lot of that has to do with the potentially wet conditions that are out there. Leave it to an Englishman and Irishman to take advantage uh, in familiar surroundings. There you go. If, it's, if it can't be a British Columbian, it's got to be somebody uh, who's used to rain, so an Irishman and an Englishman can certainly empathize with that. Take care, man. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you next week. You got Thanks it, Jim. Be well. There he is, uh, Todd Berman from the Bet the Board podcast, uh, breaking down the Masters and looking ahead to uh, this week's action in the National Football League, which kicks off uh, later on tonight with the Colts and the Titans. Uh, Indy coming in as uh, one-point favorites on the Titans uh, in this one. That uh, You know, Phillip Rivers has had his moments, uh, some ups and downs so far this season, but you know what? The Colts are 5-3 and three this year. Yeah, I uh, watched them a lot. I mean, obviously, injury to the running back, Marlon Mack hurt early on for them. Philip Rivers still is a gunslinger, right? I mean, he still likes to throw it. Um, got adjusted to him in that new uniform. Defensively, they're not bad. There's two good football teams that I think still don't get a whole bunch of respect. And, um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I have no feel for tonight's game, but two good football teams, Tannehill, who doesn't get respect, Rivers, who people think there's something left there. Um, but, yeah, you're right. The Colts got an impressive record. They've played some good football teams too. So uh, a good start to the week with a Thursday nighter. Uh, all right, 25 minutes after 6 o'clock here on this Thursday morning. He's Perry. I'm James. Coming up in a moment, we'll dive into some Canucks conversation uh, and the impact of Travis Green's future and what the optics are in the event league-wide if he doesn't come back to Vancouver when his contract's up at season's end. That story next right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.
Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. All right, 631. Sabolski, Solkowski kicking it with you until 9 o'clock this morning. And I guess we'd be remiss if we uh, didn't wish a happy 22nd birthday to the face that runs the place, at least the guy who gives everybody hope in this sports town that is. Uh, Definitely been kind of mudville over the last half decade, pair. But Elias Pedersen is 22 today. Happy birthday, kiddo! Yeah, there you are. The pressure. He's liked it. He's he's still around Vancouver. I know there's some social media posts that he had put forth for him. So 22 of uh, the weight of the hockey world in this city on his shoulders. I think he welcomes that kind of thing. So uh, yeah, 22 years old. I think I saw Nadia Comaneci is. Or, oh no, Tanya Harding is 50 today. Saw that. She would have been we were trying to calculate how old she would have been when she was whacking people. Well, she didn't whack anyone with her crowbar, got her friends. Natty Komanich is uh, has a birthday today. Pretty good lineup of athletes that are celebrating uh, a birthday on November 12th. You, you think about um, changing her life around. I mean, we were talking last week about the worst sore losers in the history of sports um you know based on based on how the presidential election was was playing out last week you know tanya harding's name there were a few more than a few suggestions for tanya harding and to see where she's at now you know between the movie um i tanya and to see you know i think dancing with the stars she's done i I think there's there's a little bit of likability now to where she was she was the ultimate sports villain like to take your opponent out your chief primary rival going back to 1994 like 26 years ago man was there a you'd be hard-pressed to find a more unlikable athlete in the sporting universe than tanya harding in 1994 yeah like if she would have taken out a competitor from another country considering how the u.s rolls sometimes you might have said hey that would have been okay. I always had hope that, you know, once it settled down, I thought it would have been funny if she stayed in Portland and opened an auto body shop. I just thought with the whole, okay, you're going to use the tire iron, maybe go that way with it. Yeah, that was an amazing story before we had real villains. And, yeah, you know, where's the film? Do we see anything? You don't have anything. These guys were seeing in, in Cobo Hall. It could have been that. It was, I didn't do it. I had nothing to do with it. That was just a, when you talk about bizarre sports stories, that uh, that's got to be in a top 10 somewhere. Just well, I mean, and, and how her life kind of like fell apart to the point where like she was living in a van. She got into boxing yeah. for a while. Like it was all over the place. And, you know, I, I should point out 1994, you know, was there a there was there a more unlikable athlete in the world than Tanya Harding? She was until about four months later, OJ said, yeah. um, hold my beer or in this case, my bloody glove and um, mm-hmm. and kind of ran with that title, uh, although he was retired by that point. But yeah. Tanya Harding, fifty man. I think there were probably there was probably a time twenty years ago. I think a lot of people thought it'd be should be hard pressed to get to, you know, thirty five. But she's fifty now and seems to be in a good place for the most part. Yeah, good good for her. But happy birthday. 
Elias <laughs> yes, and happy birthday, Elias Pedersen, who got overshadowed by Tanya Harding, apparently celebrating her 50th birthday here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, the Dunbar Lumber text line, we always welcome the, the conversation as well at 650-650. Time to get into today's edition of Seaball Says. And, you know, we finally heard from Travis Green addressing his future with the Canucks this week when he spoke with Ian McIntyre for an article on Sportsnet.ca. And, when asked about the idea of testing coaching free agency, Green, who turns 50 next month, there's another soon-to-be 50-year-old, spoke about the significance of coaching British Columbia's NHL club. He said, quote, I'm not looking at all to coach another team. I want to coach in Vancouver. I'm a BC guy, and it means something to me to be in BC. And it means something to finish what you started and be part of that process. I enjoy coaching in this city, and I enjoy the people I work with. That's important to me. When you ask me if I want to stay in Vancouver, of course I do. It's not even a question in my mind. I can't imagine winning a Stanley Cup in any city but Vancouver. So, there you go. I mean, Travis is a Castle Guard guy, man. He is a Cascadian through and through. Of course he wants to stay here. And the Canucks have grown under green in a positive way. And while some have taken some issues at times with some of his matchups, it's hard to argue with how Patterson, the birthday boy, and Horvat and Hughes have all grown under his guidance. Now, as he enters his final season in his contract, the Canucks bench boss is saying all the right things. He wants to be here, and things will sort themselves out. No worries, right? It means no worries for the rest of your days. Yes, say it, kid. It's our problem-free philosophy. Hakuna Matata. Yeah. What may worry? I mean, Alfred E. Newman would probably subscribe to that sort of logic as well. But the issue we've heard over the last few weeks with respect to Green's potential next contract here, it isn't dollars. It's that magic word that landed Erickson, Beagle, and Roussel here. It's also the same magic word that forced Jacob Markstrom to leave. It starts with a T and ends with an erm. Term. We're going to be here for a while. Well, I don't know if... Wait, what? We're going to be here for a while. A while? Yeah, a while. You mean a while? A while. A while. A while. A while. A while. A while. Oh, term. Now, Sportsnet Hockey Insider Elliot Friedman echoed the same thoughts this week on this same radio station here. I think Green feels he's worth something in the market, and I think, you know, he wants to get that market. You know, the only thing that would concern me and this, again, this is the only thing, is term. You know, term right now is an issue for the Vancouver Canucks. It was an issue for Markstrom. It was an issue for Tanev. And that's why those guys are one province east right now. Um, you have time. I don't think you have to be panicking. But I just think that, if, if the term isn't there in the long run, that, to me, could be an issue. 
And here we are. So while Elliot insists that Benning and his coach are on the same page, the reality is this will likely be an ownership decision, not a GM call. The Aquilinis have signed off on several long-term deals, and some have proven to be painful. Can we all agree on that? I mean, we're heading into year five of the Louis experiment. Then there's John Tortorella's $10 million five-year contract. How did that work out? Torts was gone after a year. It's understandable to be gone shy, but at the same time, it could also prove to be an incredibly bad look for this franchise if Green bolts and the team continues to progress. The Canucks made tough decisions to part ways with key veteran leaders like Markstrom and Tanev after strong seasons, and while the moves could be rationalized, Green not returning in a year could send a legit negative perception around the National Hockey League for a franchise that is just starting to regain some of that shine on it after a lengthy rebuild. Now, I'm confident a deal will get done, but if it doesn't, ooh boy, that is not a good look. Failing to reward those who've made your club look better, and it's a recipe for making prospective talent thinking twice about wanting to be a part of it as what Drew Doughty once described as a team like that. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Pair, it would be an incredibly bad look for this franchise if Travis Green walks in a year from now. I don't think it's going to happen, but let me put this scenario to you. Um, You know, Chris Higgins used the word fraud, like other NHL teams might think the Canucks are a fraud. I don't think anybody in this city believes that. And I think maybe Drew Doughty would be at the front of the line going, I don't think they're that good, but he hasn't played hockey in about nine months. So take that opinion you had in October and just shelve it. But if things remain normal last year and we play play the what if game, we do realize that you and I every morning go, holy smokes, like these guys, they're hanging on to a playoff spot. What if they didn't make the playoff spot last year? What if the things were normal and the Canucks were on the outside looking in? We would have had people texting us on the Dunbar uh, text line going, you know what, Travis Green, I mean, it's not good enough. Yeah, he's let them grow, but they needed to be a playoff team. I don't know how many people would have, but they would have. And we probably said, hey, he's got one more year. So he gets in, they have that great run, but they do it in crazy circumstances. I think there will be an answer to this eventually. But I do think you could say there's a touch of skepticism by some who don't believe. Travis Green right now, I think, is in a fair position of power. But the the sad part would be, if, what if they start things up in December, January, and this team gets off to a slow start? Will people be pointing the fingers and go, you know, maybe Travis Green has taken this team as far as he can? There are those who believe this Vancouver Canuck team would have been a playoff team if we would have played 82 games last year. Yeah, and then there's others that would say that they were a playoff team had they played a, a full 82 games, right? I mean, I guess with Jacob Markstrom and, and his health situation. Contender. Yeah, no, and, and, and a team or at least some people would hope that would be closer to a Stanley Cup contender. But look, Travis Green doesn't have all the say in the personnel moves, right? Like, Travis Green had no say in terms of Jacob Markstrom's contract, Chris Tanev's contract, Troy Stetcher's contract, Tyler Toffoli's contract, Oscar Fantenberg, like five guys who've now all kind of flown the coop, you know, you, you've got a pretty good defenseman that you've added in Nate Schmidt. You've got a pretty good veteran goaltender in Brayden Holpe. At least the resume is great and see how he ultimately plays out here. But I don't think Travis Green's in jeopardy of being fired midseason if the team sputters. Would you agree with that? 
Oh, if the team sputters, oh, I think at some point when teams aren't going the road, they look at they look at a whole bunch of options. Uh, but I don't think so. He's not getting uh, I think fired Travis, this year. Yeah, no I, way. I think Travis Green is. He, here's what I would think. I, to me, I think the term should be three years. I think that's fair on both sides. I will assume that Travis Green has to be asking for more if terms an issue. Yeah, I think. I mean, look. I mean, shoot your shot, right? I mean, it's, I mean, yep. I think we're, we're all sitting there saying, "Oh, yeah, three years, three years," but. You know, I mean, here's a guy who, who as a coach, I mean, he got the opportunity to be an NHL head coach, paid his dues in the minors for a long time as well, and also from the junior ranks. Like, here's a guy who's legitimately worked his way up through the coaching ranks, right? Did it in the Western Hockey League in Portland, and then climbed into the American League. And now he's going into year four in the NHL. And when he inherited that head coaching job pair, like, how bad were the Canucks, right? I mean, it's tough to look like a good coach in those early years when you're one of the worst teams in hockey. And they were for the first two years behind the bench. Now you get into year three, you see the progression, you've seen the growth of Pedersen. Like, here's the the most important thing. Look at the kids, man. Look at Pedersen. Like, Petey is 22 today. You know, and, and at the at the times where I think everybody feels like there is a almost a, an unlimited ceiling for this guy in a lot of ways as to what he can do. You know, people talk about what people talk about Pedersen in this market the way that some people league-wide look at Connor McDavid or Nathan McKinnon. People want to put him in that category and Pedersen's not there yet, pair, but he's grown and has created those expectations under the tutelage and the guidance of Travis Green in the National Hockey League. That's something. You know, Quinn Hughes getting that sort of trust and the long leash that he got right from the get-go, man. That came from Travis Green. Like, Jake Vertana didn't get that. Brock Besser didn't get that. Look at how he handled Brock as well as rookie season, right? We all questioned, what are you doing? Sit the kid out. Did it prove to be right? Travis has really done a nice job with the kids, man. And that is all about what this franchise is, right? The future. No argument at all. But I would say this. If Travis Green had a phone call and said, hey, it's Taylor Hall. Yeah, this sucks, eh? Yeah. Yeah, it sucks to be trying to renegotiate a deal in the climate that professional sports is in right now. And Travis Green's got his, he still has one more year to coach. And you know what? The news of a vaccine coming, maybe Travis says, hey, Let's not do it right now because I know you can't forecast the numbers. I'm okay. Let's just get it going. We'll play in January. We'll work this out in February and March when we have a better idea as to what normal is. Now, I'm, I'm sure he's trying just to get that done right now, but if he has to wait, he has to wait. I don't think he's going to turn this back on the team, and I think it's a real conversation when they, if they say, hey, could you just want to wait three or four months just so we can get back to normal? Now, he may go, no, I, I don't have that time. I'm going to play it out, and I'll leave Vancouver doesn't strike me as that kind of guy. It's just unfortunate timing. I'm not worried about it. Um, you know, the, the one thing we've said in the last month, the only place where money's being flown around and there's no issues at all. There was for 24 hours with local product Brendan Gallagher is in the world of, of Molson Canadians and the team, the Molson family that's been making nothing but money going now we're signing everybody up and the Montreal Canadiens are going to be comfortable. I can understand the hesitation on the Canucks ownership part. It's unfortunate for Travis Green, but it does sound like at some point they get it done. Uh, it just may not be done as quickly as Travis Green's camp would like. All right, 646, uh, Ed Jovanovski will join us uh, just after 7 o'clock. And in a moment, we'll check in on the latest at Augusta as they've been in a weather delay. Uh, it sounds like we've got some clarity as to when play will ultimately resume. We'll share that with you next right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.
the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. All right, eight minutes to uh, 7 o'clock. Jovokop will join us uh, coming up just after uh, 7. Sabalski, Solkowski kicking around with you uh, until 9 this morning. Uh, looks like uh, play is hoping to resume in about uh, 35 minutes or so. They're looking to try to get things going around 7.30 our time, pair, as our Masters coverage brought to you by Maui Gym Sunglasses. The view is better from here. Need something here, right? We need a win. Yeah, uh, Mike, we're posting a video showing the rain coming down. It was coming down hard. But if they can get it going at 7.30, it won't delay things too much. It brought us to our poll question this morning. We've got interesting results right now. We wondered if, if Adam Hadwin or Nick Taylor do the impossible. It's not impossible. They've made it to the event. But if they win the Masters, by the way, I think Hadwin's like 200 to 1. If they won the Masters this weekend, one of those BC guys, would it be the greatest individual or team accomplishment ever in BC sports? 45% of you say yes, it would be. There's 54 saying no. So kind of split right now. If the improbable happened and they got it done, uh, they would say. Uh, Brian's saying not a chance. Golf's not a sport. Well, they were going with that, Brian. But he would say, uh, you know, what Christine Sinclair, what she's done, Terry Fox. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a tough question, James. I think it would be. I think to have one of these guys win the Masters, I am hard-pressed to find a BC athlete with the exception of Nancy Green who would have done more. You don't put Terry Fox in that category. I, 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 listen, throw him on that $5 bill. He's, he's surpassed being an athlete. He is the greatest BC citizen in my mind. But you don't, um, so you, no, you, don't I, view, I don't, you don't view his run across Canada as an athletic achievement, though. Nah, listen, yes, but no, right? I mean, what he did was incredible, but I don't. When I think of athletes, he belongs. But in this conversation, I'm saying no. I'm talking about a sports athlete. He's a hero. He's above this kind of conversation. He's a hero. He wins everything. I mean, running, um, running is still an athletic endeavor, right? Listen. You're just telling me. Adam Hadwin is never going to be in the same conversation as Terry Fox. We're talking about an event where you have a winner or a loser. Terry's a hero. Not a winner or a loser. He's a hero. Trump's everything. And I'm sorry I used that word in talking about Terry Fox. But he's a hero. Over Olympic gold medalist Simon Whitfield? I, I, look, I, would, I understand the, the, the logic. I mean, Mike Weir, when he won, became a household name when he won the Masters. Mm -hmm. Bianca Andreescu became a household name in this country when she won the U.S. Open. Um, when you look at individual achievements, uh, if you think that the Masters ultimately uh, supersedes gold medals, you know, look at 2010. Like, we had a lot of BC athletes that won gold medals. Now, in terms of marquee, in terms of what you're selling to walk into a room for a guest speaker for a kind of a, a, a sexy name. I think if you would throw Masters winner in there, same as like in tennis, Wimbledon winner, there's a lot of star power to that um, because nobody's done it here in this province. So I, I, I understand where you're going with that one. Uh, but let me well, ask you this. How many people play the game, right? Sure. A lot of people yeah. play tennis. Bianca, it's a global game. Uh, yeah. that's, that's why Alfonso Davies will be our athlete of the year. What he is accomplishing in the most popular sport in the world is incredible. Um, so I would say if Hadwin or Taylor could achieve that, 
And obviously, 45% of the people agree. Let us know on the Dunbar Lumber text line, 650-650. I would say, I would say that would be it. Mike Weir vaulted, and and I don't think he embraced it. And we've had that conversation before. And he played golf with Eddie last week. He'll join us in the text in the seven o'clock hour. I I just think if they they achieve that, not just in BC where we love him, but right across this country, uh, you've got a green jacket, man. That would be the greatest accomplishment by a BC athlete. Hmm. Let me ask you this then: Do you think a Canadian will win a golf major in the next five years? No. No, I'm with you on that one. I just think uh, you have to be you got to be perfect for four days. They have the ability to more so than any other time, but I would still say no. I think it's just too tough. Yeah, I would agree with you on that one. All right, uh, coming up in just a couple of minutes, we'll be joined by Ed Jovanovski. He'll join us for uh, his weekly visit here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Let's get it going. It's time to get up. So curious to see whether or not Bryson's mad scientist approach will work here. It is the, the, by far the most riveting story to me. So, uh, yeah, I can't wait to see what he's capable of. These guys are here to break it all down. I'm trying to get paid, man. I'm not I'm not shy about that. I don't have to, to tell people that I value winning. Like, just look at my story. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. The Bears are who we thought they were. We let him off the hook. This is the starting lineup with James Zabolski and Perry Solkowski. All right, three minutes after 7 o'clock here on this Thursday morning. A reminder this hour, the starting lineup and presentation of Dunbar Lumber, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner, Arbuter Street in Vancouver, or check them out online at DunbarLumber.com. I'm James Sabalski. He's Perry Selkowski and the third member of the Ski Patrol, if you will, Pair, Ed Jovanovski, in the house on this Friday. Or on this uh, Thursday. There we go. Get it right. I'll get the days right. Morning, gentlemen. Yeah, there he is. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. Just trying to dry out. Over Were you just playing? Florida. Were you just playing uh, this morning as well? No, well... Because of the Masters, uh, our club always holds a, a member guest during Masters Masters tournament weekend, and uh, because of the tournament being you know moved to this time, so is our tournament. Um, sure enough, with uh, with Ada blowing through, uh, our course is underwater, unfortunately. So they had to cancel this event. So I'm uh, in a little bit of depression mode. Yeah. We'll bring up really the spirits. Look- I was <laughs> I was really looking forward to the competing this weekend, but uh, it is what it is. Hey, Eddie, how nasty has it been there? As far as I mean, a lot of flooding there. I mean, how how bad has it, it, it been? Yeah, our streets were were pretty much underwater. Um, it it was bad. It was probably in the last say five years with all the hurricanes coming through. This was probably the worst storm I've been a part of in in the last five years. I mean, it was probably fifty. 50 to 60 mile an hour winds, um, you know, and just the rain, it just wouldn't stop, you know? So the water just got nowhere to go. And, and this whole area right here, especially number three and four are completely underwater. I'll send you guys some pictures after we, uh, after we speak, but it's, it's crazy how, uh, you know, things unfolded in, in Tampa getting, you know, crushed last night with more, you know, weather. So, 
it's been a interesting week. Ed Jovanovsky joining us uh, on the starting up. Let me let me say this. Um, here's our poll question today, and I want your opinion because you can play. You're the club champion where you are. Uh, our poll question today is if Adam Hadwin or Nick Taylor, and I guess we should put Mike Weir on here and, and Corey Connors too, but if if Adam Hadwin, Nick Taylor win the Masters, would it be the greatest individual or team accomplishment ever in BC sports? Ooh. I mean, it would be an unbelievable accomplishment. I mean, we all know, you know, this this tournament being how special it is and, and to have, um, you know, one of our own Canadian to to win it. I know Mikey Weir's won it. Um, really kind of put him, you know, in that upper category in Canadian sports, you know, figures. But I don't know. You know, I, I got to reflect back on my, uh, you know, Canadian history on – on achievements but i think it's up there what is it the biggest one i wouldn't say it would it, be the it's biggest it's just one. so hard to win right right and, and, and it, it it means to me it's the best golf tournament there is and golf's played around the world it's just you would have to be perfect for four days yeah be, being an avid golfer and and knowing you know how how good these guys are and and at this test uh, to be that good, you know, for four days, um, you know, it's, it takes, a it, it takes a lot, you know, to win this tournament. So, I mean, having kind of everything surrounding, you know, this tournament and, and what it takes to win, it, it, it would be, it would be unbelievable. Um, I'm not sure it would be the biggest, you know, in, in Canadian sports history though. Pair, by the way, uh, Steve Nash winning MVP in the NBA as uh, Don Prairie kid uh, texting into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Good good one, Don. That's that's fair, Don. Well that's, done. That, that's fair, yeah. yeah, and a couple of them too. Um, Eddie, tell me this. Knowing what you know now as a guy who went through the battles in the National Hockey League, and when I say battles, uh, also went through some labor work stoppages as well, not one, but two of them. You know, you look at where the NHL Board of Governors are going to meet today. And they're mm-hmm. going to try to figure out, you know, where things kind of sit um, on the season. It sounds like they're discussing anywhere between a 72-game uh, season um, or even as few as 56 games. Um, and one of the things that I guess they're still trying to figure out is, you know, does the season feature a prorated salary for players? Now, you're already looking at, like, 20% escrow another 10% salary deferral. I mean, if you're a player and knowing what you've had to go through over the years, you know, to hear the idea of now a prorated salary to where your wages might be reduced even more so, is that is that a hill to die on worth fighting for? Or are you just of the opinion, look, man, we recognize it's kind of a tough economic situation and we just want to play. Like, how, w- how would you approach this as a yeah. veteran? I think – I think both ways, Seaball. Uh, I, I think you know, as players, you want to play. Um, you don't want to lose that year, you know, on, on salary. But when you, you're right, when you break it kind of down and you look at the escrow and you look at you know the salary reduction already, it, it becomes you know a, a big hit, you know, on the players. But I guess you know you got to look at it as you know something is better than nothing in in these situations. And, and yeah, there's been a you know, the owners are suffering with the, uh, 
You know, obviously with revenues of the, of the team and the economic fallback, I, I think it's a tough situation. But, um, you know, for me, listen, I, I think you you want to play and, and whatever the salary structure turns out to be, it is what it is. But um, I'm, I'm sure the players, everyone's going to weigh in on this and, and they'll find out, you know, what solution is, is the best. Do you think we'll see hockey? Because the NBA's pushed forward and got a lot done in the last week. Um, is your sense that, you know, they'll sticks and skates, everybody on the ice playing by mid of January? I believe so, Perry. I, I think the guys are, you know, just talking to a few guys here already skating, preparing for, you know, for the upcoming season. Um, I've tried to kind of dig around and find out, you know, if they heard any, you know, more, you know, detail kind of where things are going to fall. I think they're all kind of up in the air just like we are. But, yeah, they're excited to, to get back and, and play. I know the situation here with all the new, you know, personnel that's in the fold and some some moves that they made, guys are excited, you know, to get going here. So uh, I got to believe that, you know, you're, you're a hockey player. You're, you know, especially being out of the game for a while, not saying the guys that went all the way, uh, you know, guys are itching to get back at it. And I would think that there's probably not much of an appetite from a player's standpoint to have any sort of any sort of hybrid or variation of a hub anymore, right? Like you probably want to go home at the end of your workday these after getting through what they just went through in the summer. Yeah, I think so. You know, you got to be extra, you know, careful on on how things. And I, I gotta believe that you know what we're hearing on the news that you know vaccine is not far away. Um, how. You know, you talk, people have different opinions on this. If, you know, how quick are you going to, you know, be in line to, you know, to, to take the vaccine or, or what they're going to do to, you know, the players if the vaccine does come out and, you know, forcing guys to take, you know, the vaccine. But, um, yeah, the hub, you know, you hear all the stories. You know, it was a long time there and the guys made the best of it. But for sure, you want to be able to go home, see your family. I think in all that, you just got to be extra careful on on kind of what you're doing in your downtime. Ed Jovanovsky joining us as he does. I was going to say every Wednesday morning, today being Thursday. Eddie, you know, there's a lot of numbers being put out there, you know, saying the Canucks could spend 20, 24 days of a month in, in some kind of a hub city. Then they'd go home for 10 to 12 days. Uh, one of the numbers is they, they may play as many as eight games in 12 days. If that is the case and you get your rest and you go eight and 12 Tell me, as a Ed Jovanovski in the last couple of years of his career, your body's been banged up. Would you be for, do you think we'll see kind of load management where some veterans were going, okay, remember playing 8 and 12? Hey, don't worry about it. Game six, just just watch that one because we right. need you. Will we see it? Well, I think it's 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 going to come from from the coaching staff for the, for the management because I know when you're asked as a player, hey, can you do it? Uh, yeah, I feel great. You know, I'm ready to go. So I think that's a decision that's going to come from the coaching staff. Hey, listen, this guy's a little long in the tooth. He's played a lot of hockey. You know, I think he could he could use this will be beneficial, you know, down the road if, you know, you watch a couple games. So you ask the player, it's always that tough decision. They're not going to say, yeah, I, I want to sit because you always feel that that might backfire on you somehow. So, you know, I think for coming from the coaching staff or someone say, listen, you're just going to kind of sit this one out, watch, and and hopefully your body gets that rest that's needed. Jobo, tell me this. 
there's been a lot of talk about the possibility of realignment for this upcoming season, right? The the notion that, okay, um, mm-hmm. you know, they'll have an all-Canadian division because of the potentials of the borders not being open um, by the time puck drops on the season. I think a lot of hockey fans, at least on this side of the border, get excited about that. But as a player, man... Like, you guys get up for games, you know, from a rivalry standpoint. Like, it's it, it's easier to get up for those games that have some sort of substance and a buzz in the arena compared to, you know, games where, you know, there is no natural rivalry or there's no pre-existing heat between the other two teams, right? Like, I mean, it's just the way it is, right? Like, you guys have those January blahs just like we do. Do you not? You know, it's like, oh, Columbus is coming into town, like into Vancouver. It's like there's no real emotional connection with the Jackets and the Canucks. Like, it's probably a same sort of feeling from a player standpoint. Right. Yeah. There's there's certain games definitely that you know you look at. You're like, oh, please, this, this, let's get this game over with. And, and there's those <laughs> games that you've built those those rivalries with that you're excited to play with because there's so much history there. Um, you know, looking at what possibly could happen. You know, with with the scheduling, um, I don't know. Being in this Canadian hub, if I want to, you know, play Connor McDavid that many times, you know. But <laughs> I think point. for Canadian for Canadian viewers, I mean, I think it'd be pretty cool, and you could kind of, you know, hear what the guys are saying. Um, it, all saying that would be a pretty neat experience, you know, for these players, for all the Canadian teams to be battling against each other, uh, north of the border. Everyone would love it too. So. Um, It'd be interesting to see how kind of this whole format, what they come up with. Um, but these, this is how kind of these great rivalries are, you know, created. I mean, you get this battle going against guys, and um, I think it'd be pretty fun to see. Eddie, we had Chris Higgins on uh, on Monday, and he was just talking about he's he's involved, of course, with the Canucks and, and player development. It's a strange time for him. Uh, not be able to see a lot of young prospects play. But he said for the Canucks, the challenge this year, he goes, there's going to be some people that think they were a fraud. And I guess you base it and go, hey, those are really unique circumstances. A young team that absolutely got on a roll in a strange situation. Do you think there are some players in the NHL that didn't buy into, you know, Thatcher Demko putting on, you know, one of the most, uh, you know, bizarre goalie experiences as how good he was that they go, you know what, that team was giving up a lot of shots. They're not as good as that run was in August and September. They did a lot of good things to put them in in, in that situation. Their goaltending was great. Guys, you know, stepped up at big moments. Um, I, I, I don't see anything, you know, there to think that, you know, teams wouldn't think these guys are for real. You kind of hear it around, you know, the the, the NHL circuit is, is that Vancouver is a really fun team to watch. They're, they're great. They're up and coming young group. Um, no, I, I don't, I, I don't buy into that. I think it's a young group that's, you know, still going to learn and make mistakes. But I, I think this team has got that taste of, of success. And I think they become better from it and they take that next step. And I think that's the key in, in all these, with these young teams and I've been part of them. You know, the goal is to, you know, to, to take a step forward. Everybody get that percentage of their game to another level, and then everybody can take that next step. And, and there's going to be falters in there. there. There could be another disappointment. 
of an early, say an early playoff exit, just another, you know, piece to the kind of growing process. Um, it's just tough when you're playing in a market like Vancouver, where, you know, you get that success. I mean, everybody craves it and, and wants more. So I think having that consistency from this group is going to be the biggest thing. And I, we hear that word a lot being consistent. Um, I think that's the key, you know, don't get too high, don't get too low when things are, aren't going, but try to take those steps forward in the right direction, you know, to make your team better. And the management's done that, you know, I think every year you can look at your team and you add bits and pieces here to, to help your group. Um, I think the Demco thing is coming in has really kind of opened the eyes on, on the whole Marquee situation where they believe that this guy can take the next step and you add another veteran goaltender. And I think that's solidified, uh, but it's going to be interesting. I, I really, I really enjoy watching this team play and see how they're going to prepare for the upcoming year. Um, I got good news. Uh, in five minutes, you can go in front of your TV. The masters officially begins at 10 23 your time, seven twenty three. So there you go. we got another Canadian player playing at 11 too. Nick, uh, Nick Taylor's you know scheduled to tee off, and yeah, I mean everything's backed up. Pospisil, Pospisil plays Vashik. Yeah, he's playing. Uh, he's playing at uh, eleven o'clock too. Uh, bigger Adam Hadwin wins a the Masters, or Pospisil wins Wimbledon. What would be bigger? <laughs> oh God, I got I gotta say, winning Wimbledon. You know, I think for, that's a preference for, thing, though. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think it's what, I what you value more. But Wimbledon, yeah, Wimbledon, yeah, Wimbledon's got more. Wimbledon's probably got more prestige globally than than Augusta. I don't know. Green Jacket or Wimbledon? <sighs> I don't know. That's you know watching Pro- Wimbledon. probably more people probably play tennis than golf. I wouldn't know what the numbers would be, but you would think more people would play tennis than golf. I'm, I'm not sure. That's right. They're both played on grass. <laughs> yes and not high right like not cannabis grass but uh... right yeah that's right thanks eddie oh, go get those God. bets in thanks right, eddie guys. enjoy the golf all right you guys too talk to Stay you next dry. week there he is uh jovanovsky joining us here this morning on uh augusta they're ready to get playing again here in just a few short minutes so that's encouraging there we'll check in on some of those storylines to watch uh and some of the key groupings to watch over the course of the day uh 19 minutes after seven o'clock here on this uh thursday morning sabalski Sokowski and our, our authoritative news voice uh sonia aslam from news 1130 uh is back and ready to break it down on a day that uh, looks like the province of Ontario announcing that they're reporting. They're, they're, they're hitting records every day, it seems, Sonia, but almost 1,600 cases this morning. I think we've got our fingers crossed here after a day off in the province yesterday. Do we, though? Do we? I, I feel like we should, but at the same time, the trend that the numbers have been going in, I, I'm sorry, I don't have that optimism because... Oh, it's just so bad. So I think for us today, we do have uh, the new modeling that's coming down. And that is sort of an indication as to where we'll head in the next coming weeks. And, you know, if, if it is so likely, and I hate saying this, but it is so likely we are going to see even more restrictions kick in. The premier threatened that a couple of days ago, and it looks like it may actually come down this afternoon. We are going to get an idea as well as to where exactly these infections are happening. We know Fraser Health and Coastal Health are the most uh, impacted health authorities, but it's also going to give us an idea of how quickly this is spreading. So actually yesterday, Fraser Health released some graphics in terms of how fast this virus is moving right now, especially in this province where we've seen 
case numbers explode. And it's as simple as like one person who has the virus goes to a gym. That in the end, by the time you have to put people in self-isolation, it affects the staff. They have to shut down the business for a day, yada, yada. One person having it can affect up to 100 to 200 people. Like it is, you know, yeah. Here, here's what I, my gym is closed, but I, I went out yesterday. I'm driving around and yeah. I go through a, a strip mall, which has a gym. Mm-hmm. And I also, I see all these people leaving. Like, is, is everything not closed or do private enterprises have that ability if they say, hey, no, socially distanced that they're still open? So everything is not closed. And I think that's where we stand right now. That's as, where we're going, as, you as think? we have this conversation and it looks like we could be heading in that direction. Manitoba is now in a complete strict lockdown. And that includes having restaurants do, you know, takeout only. Like they've shut down any sort of dine-in experience you could possibly have. Schools are still open, and that province has seen a massive explosion as well of cases. So um, so they've also just been like, just shut it down, shut everything down. And we're the only province right now that isn't heading in that direction. Right now, Ontario's put in their tier system to can't travel here, can't do this, don't do this. Quebec is, you know, a mess. Um, Man- Manitoba's now done it. And it looks like yeah. we are going that way. And that's because we have to. Like, I understand the frustration from people. And I get it. We are so done with this. We are all so done with this. I get it. But, but the at- problem is, Sonia, not everybody is. Like, that's the, and that's the problem, okay, right? Sure. And, and, yeah. yeah. Like, I'll give you an example. Like, I went... Uh, Brenda and I went for uh, a little snack in late afternoon yesterday, and we sat on a patio at a restaurant. And as we sat there, there is a table across from us that has, you know, three couples, right? Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, they're they're and they're all seniors, and it's obvious that they don't live together. Like they're they're not at all in the same household. And then four dudes that clearly look like they had just got off a golf course sat down together, and you know. Man, I empathize with the bars and restaurants because they're trying to keep their businesses afloat in a very tough year. It's not fair for them to turn into the police uh, to, to try to have to monitor job. this. But unfortunately, no, it's not their job. But unfortunately, like their businesses are going to be compromised because yeah. they're still trying to pay the bills. And yet people are coming in and it's abundantly clear that, hey, four dudes getting off a golf course. I'm assuming that those four are probably not roommates, right? And you're kind of looking at it going, man, people aren't getting the message. People are still looking to go socialize. Sure, people are still socializing. But the other thing, and just to play devil's advocate here with you, is that you're also assuming that they aren't in each other's bubble. If these four guys are always hanging out with each other, then okay, that's fine. But the thing that we're having a struggle with that I think everyone is struggling with is the rules, you know, there there is no clear cut, shut it down, you hang out with no one, and that's it. We're done. You go hibernate until this gets better. That hasn't been said. And I know that there's this, there's this uh, appears to be some reluctance to sort of have that swift, you know, foot down kind of uh, thing with a province, but it almost feels like that's what it needs because I, I get it, Seaball. I see it too. There's uh, Everyone sees it. People who just sort of, you know are easy with the rules. I wear a mask. I don't, whatever. You know, mm-hmm. I was I was in the grocery store the other day and I saw someone not wearing a mask. And no joke, I went down a different aisle because it's like, I, I just, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know how you were able to yeah. get in. 
And again, the whole point of why Dr. Bonnie Henry constantly says, please be kind, please be calm, et cetera, is because you don't know that person's situation. But to me, it's like, if I'm uncomfortable, I'm going to do what's best for me because I can't be worried about what you're doing and how you're breaking the rules or not following certain rules. It's so contentious and it's so complicated. But uh, if we're going in the direction we are and the direction we have been, I would not be surprised if really strict restrictions came in. And um, we'll just have to wait and see. This whole thing that she said about, oh, just two weeks. Come on. This is not going to be two weeks. Everyone knows it. It, there's and no so we way. think we get that announcement of that modeling today and maybe stricter measures today or it's just coming around the corner. So modeling for sure is coming down today where we'll get an idea of sort of where we're headed, where things have been going, how bad things, how we got to where we are now and we, where we're going. And I think restrictions may kick in because even on Saturday when she announced them, we knew they were coming and she said effective now. Like she put her foot down right then and there. So we know the situation is urgent. And I think that I think we could see it come down this afternoon. And if it doesn't come down this afternoon, in the next 48 to 72 hours, it will come down. Uh, thank you for this. Um, we will, Sorry to uh, be a downer. No, no, yeah, no, no, but that's downer. like that. We're in it right now. Like, I mean, that's that's the reality, right? I yeah, mean, it's, it's, it's everything. It's all I hear from people and friends and family. This is all everyone talks about. And it's, yeah, we, yeah. we have you to guys need to find a show. You guys need to find a show to, uh, to, to start discussing or something. A show. I'm waiting for The Crown. It's season four is this weekend. <laughs> Oh, you're, that's your show. You know, I will tell you this, both you guys, I made the mistake last night of watching the true history of Ned Kelly that just dropped on Netflix the oh, other day. I didn't see it that. was, it may have been the worst movie I have watched <laughs> in years. Like, oh my God. Like I, I had, I was excited the way it was kind of sold and I, it was terrible. Terrible. Why, why don't you just bail out halfway through? Well, I fe- after an hour, I fe- okay, well I've committed this far, yeah. so we might as well see it through. And it was, no. That's funny. I haven't it. heard of that being launched on Netflix at all. So that shows yeah. you how much uh... Russell Crowe, Charlie Hoonan. Oh, Russell yeah. Crowe, mm. come on. Yeah, Jacks from Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, just uh. it was bad news. Don't do it. Neither of you. No. You know what? You know what Sunday. I started yesterday? What's was that? Shit's Creek. I'm trying to be a proud Canadian. No, oh, never seen it. Yeah. I know it. It won all the awards. I know. And when it won all the awards, I was like, what? Never seen it. And it's a Canadian show. I felt un-Canadian that I haven't given it my time. So I'm trying to now. Um, I'll get around to that. I think I've had Peaky Blinders on my list for the longest time. And mm. I, don't, I haven't seen it. I, I hear that it sort of jumps the shark by season three. Yeah. Anyone? Uh, someone texting. And thank you for this. Uh, we have Debbie Downer. Now we have Somber Sonia. Oh, wow. New nickname alert. That's sad. That's sad. <laughs> Later. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, there you go. Sonia Aslan from News 1130 uh, joining us this morning with the latest as uh, we wait for the province to announce the uh, latest modeling and the numbers later on today. All right, 28 minutes after 7 o'clock. Your Canucks commute coming up at 8 o'clock with Sportsnet.ca's Ian McIntyre. And we'll look ahead to uh, play set to resume here any moment at Augusta. That's next here on Sportsnet 650. Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. All right, 7.33, a reminder this hour, the starting lineup is a presentation of Dunbar Lumber, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner, Arbutus Street in Vancouver, 
or check them out online at DunbarLumber.com. Beat the rush, people. Beat the rush. Nobody wants to be packing stores these days. I think uh, if there was ever a year to get your Christmas shopping done early, this is probably it there, Bear. It is. Uh, you know what? Yeah, my wife was saying the other day, she's done a lot online as a lot of. She goes, man, we're in a really good position. She kind of takes over Christmas. Uh, we're in a good position. Hey, speaking of good position, we've got a Canadian leading the Masters. Corey Connors is one under after a birdie on the second hole uh, atop the leaderboard 3-2 as they've just started up again. I don't know actually how many times we could say that. With the exception of Mike Weir, like I don't know if there has been some Canadian that's gone out early and had the lead, but Corey Connors at one under is currently leading the Masters. Um, everything has kind of been backlogged now as a result of um, what's kind of playing out with um, with the weather delay this morning. Um, but you know they've kind of nicely lumped in some of the uh, some of the marquee names together. So when you look at some of the groups that are that are teeing off this morning, like Tiger Woods was supposed to tee off at five to five this morning our time. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously that that's backed up. Patrick Reed was supposed to tee off about 10 minutes before Tiger. And then, uh, a fun little group, uh, that was supposed to tee off at four 30 this morning, uh, for us, John Rahm, um, Bryson DeChambeau and Louis Oosthuizen, uh, were supposed to get, so they're ready. They're probably set to go any moment here. Um, that group, and then Mike Weir uh, set to tee off at some point this morning. Adam Hadwin as well off the back nine, and then Nick Taylor was scheduled to tee off at 11:05 Eastern, but that uh, obviously eight eight o'clock our time. Um, but obviously all the times have kind of been thrown up in the air because of this weather delay that was about two hours this morning. There, pair. Uh, yeah, help by the way, John Rom was incredible in uh, what he did Home skipping one. that golf ball. Isn't that something else? Like someone was going to do it on purpose. I go, no, no, no. They did that on purpose. Uh, amazing what he can do. Those guys. I played once in a skins game uh, way back when, and Dan Halderson, and by the way, uh, Masters update uh, for Maui Jim Sunglasses uh, with Corey Connors leading right now at one under. Dan Halderson was part of it. And afterwards, we went out to the clubhouse, you know, had some drinks and all that. And then we went out just for the summer setting. And he just said, okay, uh, that shed over there, duck hook, duck hook right into the front door kind of area. Seriously? No, you know, he's not going to hit the front door, but he duck hooks and misses it by like a couple of feet. Then he'd call another shot. So John Rom thinking, "Ah, I'll see if I can skip it onto the green and to do it and have a hole in one. That was incredible video to watch the other day. Uh, how about Rory and uh, DJ kind of scheduled to tee off together? Now, be yes. curious to see what time they'll ultimately tee off later today. They were scheduled to tee off at 9 o'clock uh, Pacific time here this morning, but obviously things backed up with uh, with the weather delay, as we had mentioned. So Dustin Johnson, Patrick Cantley, and Rory McIlroy uh, in a grouping uh, for today. Uh, you got an afternoon group that was featuring Justin Thomas playing along with uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick and Brooks Kepka. Um, I'll tell you what, Kepka's still, I think, someone you have to factor in to win this thing, despite the injuries he's had this year. I, I, I put a little on Brooks to just... You look at the run he's had the last couple of years, why would you not consider him to be a shot to win I, this thing? When when you have won majors uh, and it's a major tournament, you look at it. He just hasn't played much golf, mm-hmm. but he's a guy who doesn't need to play golf, and he's the first to tell you. doesn't necessarily like the sport, 
But then when everything's on the line, he plays well. I don't know if he has enough. I read one of the reporters yesterday goes, I hate to tell you, but he's Tiger Woods. And the way he's hitting the ball this week, I know he hasn't played much and his back's not great, but he's Tiger Woods. I still think there will be people who will look at that. Roy McIlroy becoming a father and just struggling to find his game and never finding at Augusta. Uh, I hope we have one of those stories uh, unfold. I mean, I don't know if it gets any more dramatic than last year when Tiger did the unthinkable, but it's quite possible. And listen, uh, you know, what we see with DeChambeau I and mean, how big he hit it and how he tore apart the U.S. Open. If you can hit a ball in Augusta and hit it straight, um, who knows what it'll be and how it will play different, James. I mean, Augusta, it's it's the uh, it, it's not blooming. The azaleas are not there. It's just starting to grow. It's a completely different time, and we'll see if the golf course plays differently. Well, I'm just watching it right now. I mean, it, it's it's still green. There's still leaves on the trees. So, I mean, it, it's still golf and, and the quest for a green jacket and the yellow flag sticks. So, I mean, there's – there's still a little bit of that romance and and a lot of green jackets from officials in the background and the backdrop. So um, I think there's an element to that. Um, and and listen, we just talked about this 90 minutes ago when Todd Furman from the Bet the Board podcast joined us here this morning, pair. And and from an odds making standpoint, nobody in the sport of golf, nobody presently, and we can talk all about Rory and DJ and Kepka and. Bryson DeChambeau, and the list goes on and on. Nobody still moves the meter like Tiger Woods. And I don't know if anybody ever will again, or at least, like, you talk about generational talents, right? We, we That word gets so overused now when we talk about hockey every year for a draft. Tiger Woods is legitimately a generational athlete. Agreed? Yeah, uh, listen... I think the game will be in fine hands, but the game will never be where it was. Ratings will never be as big as it was during Tiger Woods in his prime. It's as simple as that. He was the one athlete that propelled this sport into the millions and millions of dollars where the game was before Tiger Woods and where Tiger Woods will leave the game. No one has done more for the sport than him. Simple as that. 100%. No. Uh, now, a couple of days ago, uh, and just uh, by the way, everybody, uh, a reminder that our uh, Masters coverage here on Sportsnet 650 this week uh, is brought to you by Maui Gym Sunglasses. The view is better from here. Uh, you had uh, taken part in a very uh, good cause, uh, something that is uh, near and dear to the Vancouver Canucks, and that's the annual Sports Celebrities Festival. Obviously done differently uh, this year, pair uh, because of the COVID world that we're in, but you had a chance to catch up with a couple of uh, Canucks rock stars and a couple of the new guys. Yeah, we did. Uh, we had the, the virtual gala on Tuesday night since we last spoke, but Brandon Sutter, a part of it, Nate Schmidt, man, he's fun. Uh, and, and Jay Beagle, a part of it. We all had a hot stove. It was a fun 20 minute conversation. Uh, everybody doing well, but well, you know, you don't hear a lot from Jay Beagle. He was out of this farm in Alberta and it was funny, you know, as, as I introduced the guys, they would show up on the conference and, and Nate was first, we were being polite to the newcomer. And then as soon as Nate, and I don't know if Nate knew who was coming on or not. As soon as Jay Beagle came on, like Schmidt just started laughing and his arms were up in the air. He has the enthusiasm of like a, a great six student who's, yeah, he's just so fun loving. So I asked Jay, I said, listen, uh, it's been tough, obviously. The, the players that you had to see leave, 
But, you know, two of the big guys coming in Holpe and Schmidt, obviously. Here's what Jay Beagle had to say about what has happened with the Canucks over the last couple of months and his feelings of moving forward with some new teammates who are old teammates. Like you said, it's always hard. In this business, you know, you always have guys leaving. When uh, Vegas took, you know, Schmidt from us, you know, all the guys, he was such a key part in, in Washington and, um, so, you know, it's hard, but that's what happens. Um, guys leave and, um, you know, fortunate for, for us. And, and for me, I got two, you know, my best friends that I've played with that, uh, have now come back and I get to play with them again this, this year, upcoming season. So, um, yeah, I'm obviously really excited. I mean, Braden Holtby, I think he's the best goalie, uh, in the league. Uh, I really do. And, um, you know, he stole us games that we never deserved to win. And um, his work ethic, you know, is something that, you know, everyone can just jump on board with because he works so hard uh, on and off the ice. And he's just going to be, he's going to be great to have. And then obviously Nate, you know, is, is a big pickup. He, you know, is, is such a dynamic player, um, can play, you know, PK, PP. Um, the game is all about speed and he's, the fastest skater I've ever played with. Jay Beagle doesn't do a lot of talking, and obviously he saw Holpe at its best. But I think, you know, James, sometimes we maybe forget. Uh, you get Braden Holpe, who can get into a groove. Uh, Goaltending-wise, things are okay. I, I think we saw what Schmidt will bring in the bubble against the Canucks. But uh, Beagle certainly comfortable and thinking that the Canucks, with those two additions, are in a good spot. You know, Pear, I don't know if anybody celebrated a Stanley Cup win better than the Washington Capitals in 2018. And you no. get a sense that there was a closeness in that group and within that core. And Schmidt obviously playing for the other guys in that Cup final that year, but, but spent time with that Caps organization. You get a sense that there was a real chemistry within that team and that organization. Hopefully that carries over. Uh, you lost some key veterans and leaders but I think you've got some good character guys in the mix as well with the new guys that are coming in. Yeah, no, uh, it certainly has all of that. And um, yeah. And, you know, prior to that, he talked about, Hey, surprised. And you're going to, you're going to miss some guys. That's part of it. But certainty what, uh, what he saw in Hope and Schmidt is great. Uh, coming up next, no BS, just PS. And I'll tell you what, I mean, I like lazy, but there is a new style of lazy that's coming on to you, and it comes from one of the biggest athletes in the world. We'll give you those, those details ahead. 7.44. It's Thursday morning, everybody. They're it up at the Masters. Sportsnet 650. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. All right, 749 here on this Thursday morning. Your Canucks commute coming your way at 8 o'clock. Sportsnet.caz and McIntyre drops by. In the meantime, Perry, it is time to play. No BS. Not on this show. Barry Selkowski, P.S. Uh, let's get to it. Some facts, culture, sports all wrapped up for you in this segment. Here we go. Uh, Nate Schmidt, uh, he's going to be the best quote in the room or on Zoom at least this year. But the newest Canuck, uh, not always this that way. Have a listen to what he said when I asked him yesterday or two days ago on a Zoom call. 
you're gonna you're gonna think I'm crazy, but I used to be really quiet. I only really opened up around my family. I didn't really talk much around other people. I just was pretty pretty quiet. Then I just I don't know what happened one day. Something just kind of went off, and I I was kind of sick of being the introvert, and I was just dying to be let out. So um, I guess what you see is what you get now. <laughs> so it's, it's something like I've always had, I guess, but uh, it's something that's been probably came right after college after I was like, yeah, I've had enough of that. James, what you get is a guy who's as fun loving as you get. You know, Nate joined us uh, before we did our, our celebrity gala on Tuesday who hooked in, hooked in early. I'm just, Hey, what's going on? Go, what's it like? Oh, it's pouring snow. And he starts walking outside to show us what it looks like outside. And this guy, uh, loves life. And as Jay Beagle said, man, like he just doesn't stop smiling. Sometimes it's too much. But uh, there'll be some new energy in the Canucks room with Nate Schmidt, that's for sure. You know, there was um, in Ian McIntyre's uh, article on Sportsnet.ca in his interview with Travis Green the other day. He kind of, he kind of, Travis kind of alluded to the fact that you don't want, you need guys like that essentially, like Nate Schmidt in the room. And I think he will be a welcomed addition because, you know, it's an engine that runs hot that he loves to play and he gets out there and plays the big minutes, but man, does he like to have fun based on the experiences and the small sample size we've seen so far in this market. He screams tailor made for Vancouver and to be a rock star here in this town. PS, uh, there's a new level of laziness for people when it comes to shoes. Like Mike, if I could be like Mike, I want to be like Mike, like Mike, if I could be like Yes, the Jordan brand has officially announced its first ever self-lacing sneaker. They will look like a Marty McFly's uh, shoe. They're dubbed the Air Jordan 11 Adapt. The sneakers are the first of Michael Jordan's iconic signature line to use their electronic-controlled lacing technology. Man, it's all you have to do. You put your shoe on, press a button, and your shoe's tied up. I like it. I don't oh know what God. the price point is, but Pair, like you... I can think of four young ladies in this house that would love this because they're all a bunch of lazy clowns that hate having to tie their shoes again because they try to slip their shoes on and they crush the backs of the heels on their shoes. How many pairs of shoes that have been kind of, you know, wrecked? or at least compromised because they stand on the back of their heels because they're too freaking lazy to simply try to just to untie their laces and tie them up again. Everybody just tries to slip them in. James, I got news for you. When they get into their 20s, it doesn't change. Still have that conversation. Seriously, this is a nice shoe from Kintec Orthotics, our friends there. Don't step on the hill. Get a pair of sandals. Never changes. I don't know what oh the price God. point will be, but it'd cost you a lot of money to outfit the girls with all those oh, shoes. Never have to tie up their laces. Hey, P.S. Arnold laid it down yesterday with regards to patriotism in the U.S. We had a Remembrance Day in the States. It was Veterans Day. Arnold was there speaking at the Los Angeles Memorial um, Cemetery. said there's almost 100,000 veterans. And he walked around. He said, I saw maybe 20 people. So then he went to say this to everybody on his Instagram post. Think about that. I mean, 20 people for almost 100,000 veterans that are buried there. But then the people go, 20,000 or so, go to a political rally where someone promises them to make America great. 
But the fact of the matter is, those veterans are the ones that made America great. No one else. Right on point, isn't he? Uh, you know, I will say this. There was a story that really kind of hit home for me recently that um, my 79-year-old neighbor, Dirk, who is, uh, who is of Dutch descent, when he was living in a small town in Holland um, as, a, as a young child, his parents, they, they ran a, a bakery in the front of their house. And there were two wounded American pilots that his parents risked their lives and the safety of like the entire family by hiding those pilots in the walls um, for a time. And then there was a Russian pilot uh, soldier who um, they had taken in and found a, a, pa- a passport that they basically claimed him to be. Um, you know, related to the father and they claimed he was mute and they played that and they kept that charade up and that Russian soldier, they hid him as a mute in the village working as a, as a shoe at a shoemaker store for a year and a half in order to protect him during the war. And I thought it's not just the soldiers that we remember. And so many of us that had relatives that did serve for Canada, but man, oh man, Remembrance Day is also for those that did their part to help as well. And I thought that that was really special to hear that story. A great story. Uh, finally, in P.S., you know, we've been doing a bunch of renovations around the house and the bathroom. And in construction, they say, measure three times, cut once. Well, not when it comes to my own personal health. Now it cuts like a knife. But it feels so right. Yep, uh... For the third time, I'll be going in for a hernia operation tomorrow morning. James, I won't be joining it. Second in eight months. Like, I've got some serious bad luck when it comes to my health. And, man, how many times in my career have I said, oh, and he underwent successful surgery. Didn't work for me. So I'll try it one more time tomorrow. Well, how about, I mean, this show as a whole, because it was less than a month ago that yours truly had a surgery. I had a fissurectomy. For anybody who doesn't know what a fissurectomy is, you can Google it. Because I, I feel like by explaining it right now, I just feel like the text will just pour in on the Dunbar text line, just laughing at me and taking their pot shots. But it's basically a tear in the backside. So you talk about a pain in the ass? A fissurectomy literally is a pain in the ass. So, buddy, I empathize with you. Good luck. Uh, hopefully three times a charm. Well, and you know what? It's Friday the 13th. So really, I'm just going against all the odds. But yes, hopefully third time's a charm and we'll get this right. Can't feel bad. Same surgeon. He listens to the show. I hope we both have a good day tomorrow. Maybe this is why you're going in for a third time. He's not a fan of listening to us. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. I'll get him. Yeah. So anyways. Here's what, you that's th- here's what PS, I think of your man, take, that's Perry. That's all PS. <laughs> Uh, your Canucks commute is just around the corner. Coming up uh, in just a matter of moments, Ian McIntyre from Sportsnet.ca weigh in, uh, and we'll get his thoughts on his conversation with Travis Green, who also discussed his uh, future as head coach going into the final year of his contract. All still ahead right here on your home of Vancouver Hockey, Sportsnet 650. Spicing up your morning drive with the Canuck commute. You know, term right now is an issue for the Vancouver Canucks. It was an issue for Markstrom. It was an issue for Tanev. And that's why those guys are one province east right now. This is the starting lineup 
with James Sabalski and Perry Solkowski. Four minutes after 8 o'clock here on this Thursday morning. It's your Canucks commute here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, James Sabalski and Perry Solkowski with you until 9 o'clock, and we'll be joined uh, in a moment with... Uh, our triple threat here at Sportsnet, Ian McIntyre. He does the TV, he does the radio, and he does uh, online at sportsnet.ca and wrote a great article uh, about um, Travis Green and his future here in Vancouver and kind of got Travis's first thoughts on uh, the offseason that, that it's been so far here for the Vancouver Canucks. A um, lot of volatility on the market and for the roster there, Pear. Um, there is. Uh, not unexpected, though. Uh, you know, I, I think Travis kind of figured you want people to stay, but happy for Jacob Markstrom to get the number that he did, hoping to keep Chris Tanef, but kind of understood it. And then you get excited about, you know, we heard from Jay Beagle and Nate Schmidt in the last hour. But, uh, you know, interesting with this contract, Langley Fun Guy, uh, you know, doing his bit, chiming in, going, you know, you wonder, Travis Green, Toronto ties. Toronto team, all those stars. Is that an attraction? I think Travis Green is a proud British Columbian. And, you know, parents still in Castle Gar would love to, to be the guy, right? You talk about whoever's going to lead the Leafs to a Stanley Cup. Well, I tell you what, it's been 51 years here. You ever get a Stanley Cup and you're the guy behind the bench, uh, you're living life pretty good on the West Coast for a long, long time. Um, I don't think Travis Green is trying to play any kind of angle thinking, oh, if they don't want to sign me, I've got lots of options a year from now. It's it's just a matter of the financial climate to make sure they can get this thing sorted the right way. Yeah, and that's and ultimately that look, I, I get it, man. If you're if you're Travis, shoot your shot. And, you know, his markets, you know, his his stock is trending upwards right now, right? And let's see where mm-hmm. where it's at in a year from now and and year four and you know I, I look I, I think there's a valid you mentioned three years and and I think from a lot of people and a lot of outsiders looking at it going yeah you know three years seems to be a manageable number but you know when you're the guy whose life it actually is you know what's to say if, if things go south and what what's the future look like right and and now the market and the landscape has also changed financially for coaches in a covid world just as it had on the marketplace for a lot of free agent forwards defensemen and goaltenders i mean look at the number one goaltender on the market last year pair got 10 uh, you know 10 million dollars a year over 7 years you know the number mm-hmm. one goaltender on the market this year in jacob markstrom got 6 years and he got 36 million like, you basically got half the price. Yeah, and I don't think you're going to see coaches sign contracts that, you know, that are back-end loaded, right? I mean, it's not a player-type situation. Yeah, but financially, it's changed. Look at look at how Taylor Hall's handled this. Okay, I'll just go one, and then hopefully everything will be okay. You want security. You want security, and I think that will be the issue. But, um, I don't. hey, IMAC joins us now. He would have had the Q&A with Travis. Good morning, Mr. McIntyre. Will you be settled in front of a television set for most of the day? I will be once I wake up. I would like some security as well. That'd be nice. Well, in in the time of COVID, can't we all use a little security? I would settle for three years, four years. <laughs> we you, all you, would. Th- you guys think Travis might hold out for longer? Is that hey, you're true? not you're not exclusively to, uh, in radio, okay? Yeah, we'll take three <laughs> years. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, a lot of people right now would take three months. It's been a, it's been a hard time. So, 
It has. And is and do you think is that, is that the biggest issue with Travis right now in the negotiations? Oh, I or do you get the is. sense there's concern? Well, listen, when these things aren't done, I I'll be I'll put it this way, I'll be more concerned if we're a month into whatever next season looks like and we're still talking about this because I mean, things do go off the rails sometimes. And I've I've used the example of Barry Trotz in Washington, you know, leaving after he wins the Stanley Cup. Now, there were other issues there. That wasn't simply a breakdown in negotiations. There was there was some internal friction, and, and in the end, it was best probably for both sides. But the longer these things go, you do get to the point where, you know, may, maybe it doesn't get done. But for sure, at the moment, I think this is all about the uncertainty of next season, the, the, the crush uh, on finances. Although... Let's make it clear as well. Travis Green has another year under contract. So when you're talking about finances, you're talking about uh, 21-22. You're not talking about the finances for this season coming up because his salary's set for that. You're talking about two years from now, if you will. So uh, I, I do think it's about, though, the, the time that we're in, and, and that's what Jim Benning says, and uh, I think we can believe him on that. And I also think this is, you know, to, to some degree, the, uh, the general manager, not just here, but everywhere right now is, is, is the conduit from ownership. And we know, listen, owning a team right now is not pleasant. There's no revenue. And so I think, uh, here and in a lot of places, as we can see from other coaches, some of them very good, who who also are in Travis's situation? Uh, there's just a reticence to to spend money until there's more clarity on what the financial future is going to look like. Well, is there a sense that maybe there's also a once bitten, twice shy sort of approach as well from this organization based on some of the term and no? Some I mean, I I now? can I understand the theory and you know what it what it cost them uh, for Mike Gillis what. What it would have cost them for John Tortorella had Columbus not come in and hired him, uh, I can I, I understand the theory, but it was only uh, a year ago this past summer. So, doing the math in my head, 15 months that uh, Jim Benning got a three-year extension, and and some people were surprised at the length of that extension uh, because he he too also had a year left. So. Uh, I don't think so. I, I, I think that uh, that the Aquilinis here have shown that when they have someone that they like, they're they're willing to to commit to them. And in this case, I just don't see how anyone wouldn't like Travis Green and and the work that he's done. He really is a good coach. He and, and not only that, he sure seems like the right coach for this team, for this group of players with the ages of, of, of their key players, he just seems like the right guy uh, for the job. And he certainly has, has gotten almost, uh, he's probably gotten more out of them than what people thought he would get in their first three years. Even though the first two years they didn't make the playoffs and his first year I think they were a 73-point team, he has, there's very few nights in the in the Travis Green era, where you look at the team and say, "Boy, he's not he's not getting the most out of these guys." 
Well, and Ian McIntyre joining us, uh, his most recent article on sportsnet.ca Q&A with Travis Green. And he's had to do it in a whole bunch of different ways with individual players. Like, you know what, you can be here's my way or the highway, but the evolution of Travis Green, Ian, correct me if I'm wrong, has been to understand the personalities that put on the uniforms and understand when you need a hug and another conversation in the coach's office and understand when they can just go on their own, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I I really enjoyed my talk with him uh, this week. Um, I've been chasing that conversation for a while, and and I'm I'm glad that he 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 called and we talked. And one of the things he said is that you you have to be invested in your players. You know, you you have to care about them. Being a good coach means that you care about your players, and when you care about your players, that means you you care about the person. And because we're all different, you you handle guys differently as well. Um, you know, I, I I think in in some respects there's there although they're very different coaches. You know, I remember Elaine Vigneault saying once that you you treat you don't treat everyone the same, but you treat everyone fairly. And and I like that because everybody is different, and and it takes different things to motivate guys. The other, there, there were lots of little tidbits in there that I, I liked from Travis in my Q and A, and I liked that he said you don't want energy suckers on the team. And I, you know, what do you mean by energy suckers? Well, you want, you want guys who want to be there, and I think they've got a team of guys who want to be here. I think that's part of it, um, and and that's part of the uncertainty now with, with the players who have left. What effect does that have? Because they were such a, a close group, but certainly they're a group that has responded to Travis Green, and not everybody loves him. You know, look at his relationship with Jake Vertanen. I'm sure that has been hard for Jake at times, and, and maybe hard again. But I think Jake would also say that, it, that it's helped him and that Travis has, uh, has helped him to get to this spot, and is, he's going to need Travis to help him be better still. I, I think Travis is... is has a good relationship with these guys. Ian McIntyre here on Sportsnet 650. And, yeah, no, I think that was a very telling conversation that you had had in terms of the connection, and, and he certainly spoke at length of that, just how close he was to Jacob Markstrom. And, and yeah. I think you know, let, Sorry, let me interject. Yeah. And, and just on, on that thought, because he has such a good relationship with players, that's why and I said this in a, a TV hit with Murph last week, that's why I was really surprised that Josh Leval left. And and just because of the relationship and because what Levo had done here under Travis. And I think most players like playing for him. And I think he gets the most out of out of these players. Yeah, um, to kind of, you know, and, and that's why he's kind of considered a, a player's coach in a lot of ways. I wanted to change gears here for a quick second with respect to what's happening in the National Hockey League today. And there's a Board of Governors meeting. Uh, it doesn't sound like they're quite ready to announce their, you know, next season plans. But it sounds like they're getting closer here in yeah. kind of a range between a 56 game and a 72 game schedule is what we're kind of hearing at this point in time. Yeah, well, I, I have to say when when the NBA um, kind of was so was so preact, proactive and and bold in basically coming to an agreement for for what next season will look like in basketball. Uh, 
I thought that would help spur the National Hockey League. Because, you you know, when everyone else is playing, you don't want to be the league that's not. And you don't want to be the league that doesn't have a plan on how you're going to how you're going to come back. And, and you know, the NHL was one of the leaders uh, last spring in coming up with a plan how to finish a season. So I, I thought it would have uh, a positive effect that it would spur things. But I, I'm, I've been pleasantly surprised and encouraged by the messaging from uh, Gary Bettman uh, since then about how determined they are to, to start on, on January First, because I think there are a, a bunch of owners in hockey who would rather uh, not play if there if there's no ticket revenue coming in, and so I, I think it's still um, still a hard sell in some cases uh, for Bettman, but historically he has he has been able to to. Uh, guide the league, push it, carry it, steer it in the direction that he sees fit. And if Gary Bettman really wants to have a season starting uh, on January 1st, um, then I think there's going to be an NHL season. But, it, but I think it is a hard sell, and obviously they have, they have logistics uh, to work out. But, you know, I'm, I'm encouraged by the things I've heard. Um, obviously a lot of work out, uh, to work out and that's simply with border crossing. Do you think we will see a couple of schedules? Everyone talks about a Canadian division, which would be absolutely awesome yeah. for a while, except when you're eliminating three or four Canadian teams from the postseason. Yeah. Well, first of all, I think we are going to see a Canadian schedule and I think that the NHL and I'm, I'm, thinking about the reporting of Elliot Friedman and, and others on this issue, uh, I think the NHL will try to build in flexibility. I think that would be an incredibly prudent move, and that's part of the reason they're, they're trying to get going by January 1st and not wait to February 1st or February 15th, because the sooner you start, then the more time you have built in to adjust. And I can definitely see a situation where they agree... Uh, on a length of season, but they don't have it fully scheduled at the start because they they may play in different clusters, and and that not just in Canada but in the U.S. as well. You you may see initially uh, r- very much a regional uh, schedule for teams, not necessarily in hubs, but uh, you're not. You're not going to have teams traveling all over the United States from corner to corner uh, initially, and and so I think we could see in here in Canada we could see a Canadian division for the first X number of games, 20 games, whatever it might be, and and then uh, the schedule gets further defined as we go, as the NHL sees, you know, what is working, what isn't, and and more than anything sees how how the coronavirus has impacted uh, the start and, and how many, you know, what teams have been affected and, and what are the effects and how, you know, if somebody on a team tests positive, how, how many games does that team miss? Um, so, uh, you know, what the final form is, who knows? 
but I, I think that's I think that's why there is this urgency to to try to get it um, try to get moving towards a January first start so that you have some some flexibility built in to adjust both for good things and bad things. When you find out what works, you, you do more of that, and when you when you discover the obstacles, then then you adjust. But to have to have time built in for that is is vitally important. You you look at where things sit right now and the idea of fans in the stands, you know, for outdoor venues, we we've obviously seen it in the National Football League, we saw it in the World Series as well. Um, indoors becomes a bit of a different animal. Um, now the NBA yesterday had sent out a memo in uh, to their teams kind of regarding COVID protocols. And it was basically saying, okay, fans within 30 feet of the court have to register negative for COVID-19 tests two days prior or test negative on a rapid test on the day of the game. Do you see the NHL being able to kind of to go down that road as well? I guess I guess each health association is going to be different. It's hard to envision Canada or any stadiums uh, with the Canadian teams kind of given the green light or getting a green light uh, from a provincial authority at this point right now when cases are, are skyrocketing. Obviously, America seems to be a bit of a different sort of standpoint, but do you see something like that? And the NHL also has the advantage of glass around uh, you know, the, the rink as well. Right. But do you see fans like do you see that being an area that they can go down here in the next few in the next few months? Well, I, I do, but I I don't think it's going to be universal. So and right now, yeah, uh, you know nobody in BC should be expecting fans, especially at the start. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, l- look at uh, Dr. Henry's uh, latest warnings. I mean, family only, and don't even travel between households, even if you're in the same family. So um, I, I think there's lots of things that are possible, but it, it's not going to be a one-size-fits-all, and it's not one-size-fits-all in the NBA either because I, I saw that the Lakers announced they'll have no fans this season. That's their yeah. plan right now at Staples Center is no fans for the Lakers. And we know California, Southern California, is a hot spot. Um, now, the... the there, there seems to be a different degree of hotspot for for the U.S. than Canada because our our you know 500 cases a day right now in B.C. that's that's alarming, and and I understand why why uh, Adrian Dix and and Bonnie Henry are sounding the warnings that they are because you know that's a huge number for us, but that's still a manageable number. That's a modest number by population compared to a lot of places in 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 the United States. So uh, I think there's lots of ways that if you're asking me is it possible to have some sort of medical testing and monitoring program that that makes teams feel uh safer having fans in their building? Absolutely there is. Absolutely. Every time I went to uh, a game in Edmonton in August in the playoff bubble, I I was screened. Now I wasn't tested. I was screened, but that included having my my temperature taken. They had a profile on me for for um, you know how long I had felt well and not been sick. And so yes, it, it's possible. And especially if you consider 
um, that the you know it, it's not going to be an open turnstile where there's 16, 18, 20,000 fans going into a building. You're looking at maybe there's 3,000 fans. Maybe at the start there's 500 fans, but maybe there's 3,000. Things are going well, maybe there's 5,000. Well, in most cases for NHL teams, you're just talking about a fraction of the season ticket base. And when you have regular fans, if you're talking about season ticket holders, absolutely, you can you can monitor them and you can have uh, obviously not a foolproof system in place because there is nothing foolproof with COVID. But you can you can have a program in place where it, it especially when it's the same people coming to games that you monitor their health. And, and I think I think that's absolutely doable. But it's not going to be doable in every place. Right now in BC, you can't have you can't invite somebody into your house who's not part of your immediate family. So bear that in mind when people are thinking about can they get, you know, a thousand fans in Rogers Arena. Right now that's not realistic. Uh, Board of Governor call today. We'll maybe get more information. Thanks for this, Ian. Uh, when you get to your TV, you'll turn it back to the 80s because Larry Mize is atop the leaderboard at Augusta. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny, uh, isn't it? <laughs> that is funny. That is funny. So how long was the weather delay? I, 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 you know, I do prepare for the show. When I wake up, I scroll through. I scroll through Twitter to see what I've missed. I know they were in a weather delay. So. Yeah, was it, was it two hours? A couple, it was a couple hours. Yeah, about, yeah. Two, about two hours okay. this morning. No, I'm yeah. glad I didn't get up at 5 a.m. to see the start. <laughs> Early tea time. Yeah. A small victory in 2020 for Ian McIntyre. Thanks, iMac. See you guys. Take care. There he is, uh, Ian McIntyre from Sportsnet.ca weighing in on your Canucks commute this morning here on Sportsnet 650. 26 minutes after 8 o'clock, we will uh, we will check in on what's going on at Augusta. Tigers out there. Uh, we'll check in on some of the uh, key ingredients uh, over the next four days. Uh, that's next right here on Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. 831, Sabolski, Solkowski taking you until the top of the clock, and uh, the Scott Rinchel Show coming your way uh, with special guest host Dan Riccio filling in for Scotty today. Um, pair some news uh, involving the Vancouver Giants. Uh, it's been out there for the last few days, uh, but Jamie Heward. Uh, uh, you know, assistant coach for the last few years uh, with the G-Men is uh, leaving the organization to pursue a different hockey opportunity. Uh, and the Giants announcing just a few minutes ago that they will introduce a new associate coach tomorrow. So uh, keep an eye on uh, news for that involving the Vancouver Giants who are, uh, have their own challenges trying to get back to playing uh, here in the new year. Always loved our conversations with Jamie Hewitt, but I think yeah. there's always that opportunity, right, to, uh, you know, make it to that next level. So if he gets a, you know, gig in the AHL, as, as Walsey had reported, there are some ties that he may be part of the, uh, the AHL affiliate of the Vegas in Henderson, Nevada. Not a bad place to be. Um, loved our conversations with Jamie. You know, Michael Dick is part of the, the World Junior team, so he'll be gone. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see, you know, who knows where and when, when the dub is up starting, but certainly some changes for the Vancouver Giants and a different look for them uh, as far as pushing forward when they get their season going. 
Uh, obviously, uh, the Masters uh, getting off to a bit of a bumpy start here this morning uh, uh, with a weather delay, slowing things down by about two and a half hours this morning. But play has resumed. It's kind of the most 2020 thing, kind of like the story we heard uh, over the last 24 hours, how uh, on the uh, first cruise ship to sail in the Caribbean since the beginning of the pandemic, a passenger tested positive for COVID-19 on the very first cruise ship. So uh, this morning, play has resumed at the Masters and uh, and pair. I'll tell you what, Xander Shoffley up to. Uh, looks like the people are scoring pretty pretty low despite the weather delay. Xander Shoffley through three holes is already at three under par. Well, here's the thing about pro golf. When it rains as hard as it rained, and, and Mike Weir had posted some footage, and it was just coming down um, in buckets there. So what does it do? Uh, the Masters is all about how hard those greens are, how fast they are. And even though it's a different time of year, when we talked to Adam Stanley, he said, no, the greens will still be rolling just like Augusta greens with all the swales in them. Uh, but you put rain like that down, all of a sudden it becomes a little bit of a sponge. You throw the best golfers in the world out there, and all of a sudden they're firing at pins where normally they wouldn't. Shoffley's played three holes. He's three under. James, you're exactly right. I think we will be watching this leaderboard today. And if the worst of the weather is through them, and as these guys are on right now and it stays really spongy, you're going to see some big numbers early on. Um, and maybe we'll see some numbers uh, at Augusta that we normally don't see as uh, Shoffley's got it going. Even your par bo- after five holes so far for Adam Hadwin, by the way. Yeah, uh, Adam Hadwin through five, your boy. And uh, Tiger Woods, uh, even through his first two holes so far this morning. How about, here's a name just to throw at you. Jordan Spieth, one under after the first hole. There's a name that every once in a while somebody throws it like, hey, keep an eye on him, right? Like, this guy was supposed to be the future and the now of the sport. And somewhere in the last two, three years, his career's kind of gone off the rails. At times, he feels like a bit of a forgotten entity, right? Like, you think about how this kid just took the world by storm from a golf standpoint, and then all of a sudden kind of hit a pot. He's only 27, pair. Yeah, I heard one of the golf experts on the Golf Channel once talking about him, and and it's the old, uh, the, the adage, you know, uh, and you know, analysis by paralysis, a paralysis beyond analysis, right? That Jordan Spieth just started thinking about everything and listening, I guess, in a sense, to exactly what you said that Joy, this Jordan Spieth kid, I mean, he's good early and he's going to be winning a ton of majors. And not that his head got any big, I think it remained the same. But when he wasn't winning, okay, let's 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 go into the lab. What am I doing wrong? Let's break everything down. And it just wasn't him. And I heard someone say, he's just got to go to a golf course, get a golf ball, tee it up and play. And once he can get back to that, and maybe it's a learning process, he'll see if he could do. I mean, Bryson DeChambeau is the guy who is the scientist out there. He's got everything figured out. And it works for some. But for Jordan Spieth, you're right. There's a name that if you were talking about him three years ago, you would think, okay, 2020, how much has he won since? And you go, well, not that much. So, you know, I, I don't know if we see something like that happen on a week like this. I, I think it has to, you have to have some some treads on those tires to see the success and the traction he has. He hasn't been able to find it, but it, it might be interesting to see on this strange November Masters in Augusta if we do see a different name 
uh, atop the leaderboard when they're all done on Sunday if they can play this on the schedule. I, I mean, it's, it's crazy in the sense that, you know, Jordan Spieth at 22 was a Masters champion. Yeah. He, 22. At 22, he had won a Masters and he won the U.S. Open. And by 25 or 24, he had won the Open, the PGA, and the Masters. And he finished second at the U.S. Open. Like, he almost won three majors at 22. Right? Like, at 22, like, it was this guy's the future. And he hasn't won now since 2017. He hasn't won an event. Mm-hmm. You, and you, you just don't think, you go, what's he going to be like with more and more experience? And very seldom in a sport like golf, you go, well, actually, he's going to get worse. And in theory, you could say he has gotten worse because of what you just rattled off, how good he was, one of the best in the world, but it doesn't happen. I, like, I think we've talked about it. There's only one Tiger Woods. You know, the Masters ratings will be incredible if Tiger Woods is anywhere near a leaderboard on Sunday. If not, they'll be good because there's enough interesting stories in golf that I think even an average sports fan listens to and enough characters. It will never be the same. That was a once-in-a-lifetime run. But Jordan Spieth is part of a big crew of interesting guys that you can get behind and cheer for with some personalities that we've gotten to know a little bit more. I mean, you love your villain in Patrick Reed. There's mm. people that see how DeChambeau plays the game with, man, that guy swings like a gorilla. That's crazy how hardy and strong he is. Like it or not like it. Uh, there's characters out there. Rory McIlroy's kind of becoming, okay, now you're the loving father that can never win at Augusta. I like the stories that now you can find when you talk about majors in golf. Corey Connors, uh, Canadian, uh, three over now through seven holes. Um, that's Oops. the uh, second highest score. And uh, John Rahm off to a, a rocky start. And there was a name that I think a lot of people were thinking to keep an eye on. He's two over through the first three holes. So a bit of a bumpy start for John Rahm. A reminder that our Masters coverage here on Sportsnet 650 is brought to you by Maui Jim Sunglasses. The view is better from here so um yeah keep keep a tab so you know uh at, at some point like uh, there's still a lot of names that haven't even teed off right there's still all the afternoon names uh um whether it's brooks kepka who will tee off rory mcelroy who's scheduled to go uh a little after nine o'clock our time dustin johnson in that grouping with rory as well so a lot to keep tabs on if play can uh resume and it looks like for the most part it looks like the sun's out at augusta here this morning you had told the story earlier this week. You know, you covered the Masters and you had accreditation, but only for the practice rounds. So did you ever get there and actually have accreditation? Did you actually, was there another year you went and saw golf? No, I, I, I no, outside of watching the practice rounds and, and you know, and I'll you say this, man, like the galleries, and, and I'll say this, like you think like Tiger Woods, 2005, you know, apex of the prime of his career. Like those galleries, even for the practice rounds, were and and they limit attendance too, right? Like, they're big, like it was big. So that's funny. So you never actually saw an official round? Nope, not at Augusta. No, it was the only year. Uh, and it's it's funny because I remember you know calling back to the office going, uh, I don't know if somebody screwed up here, um, but the fact is like. I only have practice round credentials here. Somebody's got to fix this. And they're screaming, oh, what the hell? How does this happen? And then, you know, my boss is essentially barking at me going, like, fix it. Like, what am I to do? <laughs> you know? 
That's great that I can and be in the front like, line. Somebody give like me a round. Security? What's is that? that like, you know, when you deal with the Olympics, man, you better have all your security and all your press passes three, four months before. I mean, that's filling out all the papers. Is Augusta like that? Like, there's no way. You and I, we talk for a living. I like to think sometimes you can talk your way into things. That yeah. wasn't happening. No way. No flexibility. And, and you know, I feel like I can kind of turn on the uh, – try to turn on the Sabolski charm every once in a while, but – not so much here. Like, it was just, you know, I mean, it, like, Augusta's kind of a throwback to just a different time, right? You walk into the grounds, like, mm-hmm. people still smoking in the press room. <laughs> like, it's those Jeez. pimento sandwiches. And, um, like, just, it, it's just a throwback, you know? The the prices, they that was kind of part of the charm that they would try to keep the prices to, you know, over the years, try to keep them fixed and not have them uh, out of, you know, try to keep them consistent, right? It, yeah. Like, it's a, it's a different world out there. Yeah, it's funny. And sometimes sporting event security in the States is just, uh, I, I remember at the, at the Super Bowl, at the uh, throw the interception at the goal line Super Bowl in Arizona, I was inside at the festival uh, in a big convention center and needed to get to another place to do a live hit and was coming to the door and asking the lady, as I'm on the outside of the door with my cameraman still in, um, you know, can you tell me where this area is? And she goes, oh, it's over there, and you got to go around. I go, well, you can go around, but if I, I'm just going to go back in. Oh, no, you can't go back in. Go, well, my cameraman's in there, and <laughs> I started this conversation inside the building talking to you and have ventured around you to the outside to ask where to go, and now you're telling me to walk 20 minutes rather than five minutes across. Yeah, I don't know. You can't go into this. Security at some sporting events is crazy. I'm not surprised Augusta is the same. No, I, I could, I certainly, yeah. I always found it was Europe that was always like next level. Sometimes with you, know, you got to like IOC and and you know International oh. Ice Hockey mm-hmm. Federation, and some of those were just like, oh my, like there was just zero flexibility. Like, nope, nope, like no, my my colleague just walked through that door. No, but you can't. Like I have the same credential. Doesn't matter. Can't. <laughs> like what's going on here? I, I, yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, it's funny. Well, you were there, you just weren't really there. Uh, by the way, uh, Bryson DeChambeau just uh, a double bogey on uh, on five, so he's uh, off to a tough start as well at uh, two over now to start his opening round. All right, eight forty three. Some final thoughts before we turn things over to the Scott Rintoul Show with Dan Riccio today. That's next, right here on your home of Vancouver Hockey Sportsnet six fifty. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. 849, and with Remembrance Day now behind us after a day off yesterday for all of us to take a moment and remember. Perry, I think it's fair to say now it's an appropriate time if you want to put your Christmas lights up. I always felt like uh, the the Christmas decorations up and around. I always feel wait till at least Remembrance Day's come and gone. Yeah, that's that's too early for me. But boy, if ever there is a year for the Mulligan to say I want to put myself in a better frame of mind, and I know mm-hmm. Christmas does that for so many people. Well, then have at her. Have at her this weekend. Yes. Drove by a house yesterday that had them up, and I went, okay, go for it, man. I think I think by December 1, like, I'm not a guy who will do it. I might do it a week into December. Uh, I don't know if I'll get the push to do it earlier, but, yeah, bring it on. If that's what you like, 
bring it on, put the Christmas lights whenever you want and hang on to them if you want until the middle of January, February, if you want to get you through this. Yeah, no, I think we were typically always the household that waited till first weekend of December. Uh, I think this year, though, we've kind of talked about uh, just probably doing it a little earlier this year, just from a, yeah, just getting the mood, brighten the spirits a little bit, just create a little bit of that, you know, make it pop a little bit. The downside is, is that when you buy a real tree, you know, pretty much by the middle of December, if you get it too soon, you've got pine needles all over the ground by, you know, before Christmas as opposed to after New Year's. I think anyone has ever has a two tree Christmas? Gets one so early, dude. Michael Bublé had. I, did, there was an interview I saw with Michael Bublé the other day on uh, on City TV, and he had the tree up behind him. You know, and it was like what? It was like two days before Remembrance Day, but he he already had the tree up in his house. Now that was guy's made a good living, though, probably. I mean, he's made a good living all about you know being a Christmas guy, right? I mean, how many Christmas yeah. albums does that guy have? But. He had the tree up and running and fully decked out, ready to go. Was it last year we sung Christmas carols? Like, it's all a blur. Was yes. it last year we went in the studio? Was that was that last yeah. year already? Yes. Gosh. It was last year. Seems like it was like 2012 or something. <laughs> I, think, uh, I, think, I think our listeners are probably still trying to forget that. So that was, listen, you can carry a tune. I'm not that bad. We had some people that were actually surprised at our ability. I'm not a karaoke guy, but I will strum a guitar and sing a little bit. Uh, we, you know, there were some people. I can remember going to the bank telling the guys, "Yeah, I don't mind those Christmas carols." Well, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> so you know, don't downplay. We're self-deprecating, but you can sing. Uh, text in at the uh, Dunbar Lumber text line at six fifty six fifty. The Christmas music has been going on for a week at home now. Already, the too Christmas early. music's playing. You know, it's funny. There was a song that popped on. That's too early. My 12-year-old called me out as we were kind of scrolling through a uh, playlist of songs the other day in the car, and she was like, no, Christmas music, too soon, too soon. She kind of laid down the order at 12, so. Well, one of the Netflix shows that's trending is the holiday, which is the Christmas, uh, Christmas movie. Too soon. Well, it's, it's that time, though, right? Yeah, I think, like I said, I think we're past Remembrance Day now. If you want to fill your boots, and especially this year, as you kind of alluded to, um, got a couple people texting in, uh, wishing you well for your big uh, your surgery tomorrow morning. That you'll uh, you'll be away for from the show tomorrow. So people passing along the best to you, pair and Island Lover also Ooh, texting nice. in as well. The Dunbar Lumber text line at six fifty six fifty, referring to me uh, sharing that I had had a, a fissurectomy. Uh, and Island Lover texting in saying, anal fishers, maybe if you weren't so full of crap, it wouldn't be forcing its way out. Touche. A lot of love from Island Lover. <laughs> Good and bad sometimes. Good and bad. But we always appreciate uh, uh, the participation that he has in it. Our poll question this morning was, all right, so Hadwin or Taylor wins the Masters on Sunday. Is it the greatest individual or team accomplishment ever in sports? 46% say, yeah, it would be a 54%. No, they would not go there. So we'll see. We got to get out of here. It would be great if they're playing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dan Riccio ready to take on over for uh, the Scott Rintoul show coming up at the top of the clock. Uh, for Perry, I'm James. Greg Ballack, our uh, man behind the uh, other side of the glass, taking care of all the technical stuff. Our producer, Mike English, and DJ APD, all part of the team. And we'll talk to you then. Same bad time, same bad channel Friday here on Sportsnet 650.